taking off in five, four, three, two. Yo. What's up? What's up? Fuck's happening. Fresh off of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, I, know, I know you. I don't, I don't fuck I, with Thanksgiving. I know, fuck Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know you hate it. Uh, how was it since you uh, hate it and would like to see it abolished? Uh, mom's hooked it up. Food okay. was delicious. Bet. Uh, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you hate that? I don't understand. Uh, no, so I don't hate that. You love food. So then I'm I hate about the, 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 the bullshit around Thanksgiving. Look, like what? Here's a time for us to come together and everyone to be thankful and 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 the stories that are told the pilgrims and the native americans they all sat down and enjoyed who's still telling those stories white people are still telling those stories <laughs> like who i heard a lady at starbucks <laughs> uh so oh, a random lady at starbucks i swear to god i swear okay. true story yeah. right i don't so, doubt the authenticity of the story i'm the just day saying day after thanksgiving you know Friday, Black Friday, which we'll talk about in a moment. I'm at yeah. Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on my laptop getting some work done. And, you know, there's this uh, woman. She's talking with her friend. And she's talking about, like, oh, this is such a great time of the year. I just, I Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And just the stories are so rich about the pilgrims and the Native Americans. Yo, I almost, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. Bitch, if you don't, know, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, I, that's not how it really went, you know. I, it, I think I mentioned this last time. After the the after they sat down and had that dinner, which they probably didn't have, um, the pilgrims definitely gave na- those Native Americans those smallpox blankets, right? <laughs> then you fast forward a little bit. That's when slavery starts, and uh, mm-hmm. so I don't fuck with Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, yeah. To me, it's just a time where you gather with your family, you sit down, eat some fucking food, call it a day, like. That's as the extent of it. I when it comes to talking about the pilgrims and Indians and uh, or Native Americans, um, like we all know, it's a fucked up past. Like so, so and and here's why I I can't have such like a big problem with it. If it weren't for the pilgrims doing what they did, so, we clearly would not be sitting here right now. Might be sitting somewhere else. No, we did. No, we hundred percent would be sitting somewhere yeah. else, and that's what. Or actually, no. Would that be a better place? In some aspects, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we're really going to celebrate, if we're going to continue to celebrate Thanksgiving, right, it should be a time of like remembrance, but the real story. Yeah, but isn't isn't that, uh, so for instance, why they've like renamed uh, Christopher Columbus Day. Uh, Indigenous, Indigenous People's Day. People Day. That's and- only in certain, only certain states have like uh, done so. The majority of U.S. states still call it Christopher Columbus Day. Yeah, it's still mostly referred to as Christopher Columbus Day, right? And even then, it's not like it's, it was like, oh, let's celebrate Christopher Columbus Day, and now it's like, oh, let's re- just rename it and um, yeah. <laughs> repackage right? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like with Thanksgiving, with Thanksgiving, what I think should happen is it should be like a time of like honesty and remembrance. Like, let's remember what you know the things that really happened, right? And let's use that, you know, the, the these these historical. Um, uh, uh, count of events to better our future, right? To yeah. let's remember these things so we don't repeat them. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of the what's hap- what's really happening, where it's like, oh, you know, Turkey and Thanksgiving and everyone be thankful. Like that's not really what happened. Yeah. Or or the opposite, where it's like, um, oh, you know, it's just a time to sit down with your family and 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 eat some good food because that's just like kind of like oh, let's pretend. None of what happened really happened. Let's just 
dude, change the narrative. What do you what do you have? In, what, do you, what kind of phone is that? Uh, that's the iPhone 11. Right. Who do you think made that phone? Chinese kids. Yeah. And yet you're able to walk around with it and text on it and not give a fuck. Right. That some kid in a fucking sweatshop got paid 92 cents uh, per year to make that phone. Yeah. It's called cognitive dissonance. That's what it's called. I'm very familiar with cognitive dissonance. But that's that's very different. No, it's different because you capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's different because you want it to be different. No, no, no. I, I'm very much aware that there are people who are oh, involved that's in what the I'm making saying. of this product. You're, you're aware and you that don't are, care. How does how does that have to do anything with what I just said? Uh you're basically saying that uh we walk around, you know, uh talking about thanksgiving in terms of like what we're grateful for and just eating with the family shit like that um and we don't put any sort of thought or emphasis on the fact that uh, what thanksgiving was built on which is basically the blood and tears of the native american people mm-hmm. that's if i'm summing up what you're saying for the most part yeah okay uh it's, to me it's the same thing as like it that sort of out of sight, out of mind is the same thing as, yeah, how you could have that phone and not worry about the kid in a fucking sweatshop who uh, uh, did work that 18 hour shift, no breaks, uh, no bathroom breaks as well, uh, and made 92 cents a year for that phone. So but here's the thing, though, right? Like the phone is going to be made regardless of well no, i'm not gonna say it's gonna be made regardless of whether yeah, it can very it easily because not be made. my demand for the product <laughs> exactly influence the production as a collective blah, 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 whole right? yeah um so i'm very aware of like how the fact that in order to make this phone there are a lot of people in you know foreign countries who are taken advantage of right their labor is taken advantage of mm-hmm. um you know that that's that is a tough battle to fight because the reason i got the phone was because my other one was pretty much... Which is also made by a kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, my other phone was pretty much like... Who got paid 91 cents a year. Sure. (laughs) My other phone was pretty much like broken, right? Or it it was dying. It was almost done, right? Uh And I genuinely do need one to... And therein lies... It's it's ingrained into my life, right? Connectivity. Therein lies our problem. But I'm not... You know, I haven't forgotten that, you know, but it doesn't matter when you're still talking on the phone and using it anyways and you've put no actual emphasis because on that inf- that in- influences other decisions. Hey, I did buy the phone. Yeah, but that influences other decisions I make in terms of like, I, I'm going to be kind where I can. I'm going to remember um, sure. the things that What's I the difference should between I'm that going and, to give. And I'm going to donate. Was that? What's the difference between that? Because and Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is kind of like, you know, let's just it's not necessarily about remembering what happened and, and using those memories to dictate what's happening or, you know, what should be happening, Mm -hmm. what's to come. It's more so about let's just celebrate being thankful now. And then tomorrow let's go shopping. Right. It's not really about like, Hey, this is right. What what I'm trying trying to say is like, let's let's move forward in a progressive way. There's a disconnect between what Thanksgiving was originally supposed to mean and what it is today. Right now it's just like commoditized, holiday right like it's not um in fact people they don't even fucking advertise for thanksgiving anymore they just advertise for christmas because they know black friday is directly at there yeah. after thanksgiving right so it's not really even nobody gives a fuck about it's like thanksgiving, happy thanksgiving really. black friday is tomorrow it, yeah, exactly yeah. um so what i'm saying is is like it's not it's not as if people are sitting around like thinking about that because that's so disconnected from like and 
I feel like it, it kind of should, right? Because if we were just to sit here and, and remember and and do all that stuff, there's no way we'd all be sitting down breaking bread in terms of like, yeah, let's all say what we're thankful for because of the fucking atrocities. Every year, it would be that same exact thing of the atrocities that fucking happen uh, to the Native Americans. And I think you do need like a holiday or something. At least I know that's what it is for me and my family. We need yeah. something that we coalesce around. And Thanksgiving is typically that day where it's just like, no matter what we're doing, where we're at, we always come through. See, this is why I wish Chief Running Bull was here right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he could weigh uh, in. And with that racist <laughs> comment, we'll go ahead and start the fucking podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Fade Podcast. Welcome. <laughs> Yo, 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 it's your boy T.O., as you know. It's your boy O-Rain, real name, no games, no gimmicks. Yo, this motherfucking Fade Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything TV, media, and formulated, along with any of the goddamn thing we want to talk about, coming to you, not live, taped, and direct. <laughs> taped and direct. <laughs> to it your face. sound as cool as live and direct to your face. Yeah, yeah, uh, you gotta keep that. Yeah, uh, from the Heart they Studios, don't know this Baltimore City. Uh, well, they do. Uh, since we talk about the things that happen... On Sunday. Most of our listeners went to public school. <laughs> they do not know. I will not insult our loyal fan base like you. Uh, I will believe in their ability to discern the fact that this is a previously taped podcast. Um, anyways, uh, Nay. welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have a fucking fantastic show for you. Uh, uh, some great things. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, but uh, one of the things, two of the things that we're going to talk about are, first of all, I've got some strong feelings about this. Michael B. Jordan situation. MBJ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just made that up. Yeah, you did. No uh, one calls him that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in terms of him playing soups. Uh, and then also, you know, we had we talked about Thanksgiving to start the podcast. We didn't. Uh, we'll talk about Black Friday here in a sec. But um, uh, from Thanksgiving, we go right into uh, the Christmas season. Uh, and that usually indicates the year is just about up but this isn't just any year this is 2019 end of a decade this is the end of a decade blew by time just flew by in this decade we were given the iphone yeah apple no we were definitely we definitely had the iphone before that we did yeah (laughs) we did we we got improvements on the iphone when did the iphone come out like 2006 or 2007 really yeah nah dude yes I think this in two thousand and eight and nine, I still had like the the BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we all had the Nextels. Damn. So all right, yeah. let's re- pull the iPhone from the list. Yeah. Uh, but what we did get in this decade, uh, are some fantastic fucking movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll talk about a list uh, of those uh, later on in the podcast. The the mm-hmm. decade ender. Uh, what were the most influential films of the twenty tens? Uh, and we're going to be talking about a list that uh, that's from the New York Times. Uh, but then next week, we're going to talk about our actual list yeah. of what we deem as the most influential uh, films of all time. So you definitely want to see my tuned. list is going to be fire. Yeah. Y'all already know that. Yeah. yeah. You, you have no idea what you, what's on your list, but you you know, it's going to be fire. I got some good shit. on my OK, list. <laughs> I got some good shit. Yeah. Um, OK. So with that, let's uh, let's start the fucking podcast. All right. So let's talk about movies that are coming out um, this uh, this week. Uh, dude. Struggling. Uh, yeah, I don't to think find anything um, good is coming out this week, bruh. 
uh, you're about to see, you know, what's, what's actually on the list. But, um, uh, so the first film we have here, uh, is the, uh, Aeronauts, uh, which, uh, and let me just give you the quick synopsis. Uh, in, uh, 1862 headstrong scientist, James Glasher, uh, and wealthy young widow, Amelia Wren, mount a balloon expedition to fly higher than anyone in history as their perilous ascent reduces their chances of survival the unlikely duo soon discover things about themselves and each other that help both of them find their place in the world this is directed by tom harper and is uh and uh and stars uh eddie uh redmayne as well as felicity jones who um we know them from the theory of everything, uh, which is the the film about uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Hawkins, Stephen um, Hawkins, Stephen yep. Hawkins, uh, and uh, it is their reunion um, from that film because they both started in that that film as well. Uh, at least if they're hooking up. Uh, well, yeah. When you when you tend to uh, when doing you tend two to, films together, that's a yeah, lot yeah, of time spent lot of, together. These are two young, good-looking individuals. You, you yeah. can't help but to wonder. Um, but here's how I feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> um, Why don't you? So I mean, I don't have a good answer for it. <laughs> I, mean, I would be honest. Yeah. I just look at this movie and the story of two people going up in a hot air balloon, and you know the the, the struggles that come with trying to stay afloat and weather that they may run into and personal challenges and struggles. You know, I'm sure this is a, a great film. I'm, I'm sure it has, uh, it was made for a reason and uh, I'm sure there's something to be taken from this film. Yeah. But honestly, is this something that I'm interested in? Not particularly, right? It's, yeah. it, it doesn't spark my personal interest. And I just think women named Amelia need to stop flying. Okay. <laughs> we got Amelia Earhart. Right, yeah, and what happened to her? We don't know, yeah, right. We've got this, this, uh, what's her name, Amelia? Uh, the uh, Felicity Jones plays Amelia Wren, yeah, hot air balloon. Come on, stop it. And we've got uh, Amelia Clark as, from Game of Thrones who plays um, Daenerys. uh, Daenerys Targaryen, right? Yeah. How many dragons did she get killed <laughs> flying? Uh, stop. Only two, only two, two, only two dragons that's a lot of dragons, <laughs> there are only three. So stop, Amelia's stop flying. All right, the air is not meant for you. Stay on the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either way, uh, this film. Um, yeah, uh, th- this film doesn't necessarily pique my interest. But then, I, look, uh, and we're gonna do a press play later uh, on the uh, on the new film, uh, The Irishman. Um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, that film cemented something that I thought about and I'll say it in relation to this is you can, you can make any subject matter sexy, but it just depends on how you tell the story. So that's why I'm trying as hard. And I, and I, I meant to talk about this at the top of the podcast. Um, but I watched a movie, um, or some short films yesterday. I, I went to an event here at the shout out to the creative Alliance. Um, uh, and, uh, they were showing, um, some films from the uh, is a Charm City filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I they're a collective, and they're essentially filmmakers that sort of help each other out on on their individual projects. Um, 
And I went there and I was kind of blown away because it was really good. You know, these 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 films that I was that I, that I was watching, there were some that were I feel like were a little better than others and yada, yada. But for the most part, they were all pretty, pretty good, which it's hard for me to say sometimes, because sometimes I, even if I feel the slightest bit of awkward, I can't do it. You know, yeah. what I mean? uh, but the, these films actually held up. So I'm trying to get more into the mind frame of just trying to be open to something, even if it doesn't sound like it's originally something that I'd fuck with. Yeah. Now, uh, granted, this particular film, um, I watched the trailer. The trailer is it's you know it's suspenseful, it's intense. The trailer was really well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say I'm not interested in this film, am I going to go see this in theaters? Honestly, no. Right? Because yeah. I couldn't justify spending, um, <laughs> you know. No, uh, I, I couldn't justify I, I, using one of your weekly. <laughs> well, I, that, <laughs> I haven't signed up for that thing yet, but I will. Yeah. And um, actually, this is opening uh, limited, so chances are it's probably not even showing near. Yeah. That thing now, if if I were, um, you know, scrolling through Netflix and I saw this movie, mm-hmm. would I watch it? Yes, because I often do this thing on Netflix where if I'm having trouble finding something to watch, I'll just, you know, I'll click ten times and mm-hmm. whatever I land on, I watch. Yeah. So it could literally be anything i mean uh the other day i i did that you know i clicked 10 times scrolling through mm-hmm. and i landed on the bikram yoga um it's like a the oh, little yeah, yeah. Uh, docu-series or it's not a series uh, documentary on the uh, uh the gentleman who created bikram yoga i forget his first name his last name is bikram yeah uh, very interesting thing and would i have watched that initially probably not but I, I landed on it i watched it yeah last night i did the same thing i landed on dark crimes the movie with jim carrey Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's like a detective and yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's funny? It surprisingly felt longer than The Irishman, but um, it's <laughs> because it wasn't that great. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. All right. So, uh, so let's move forward here. Uh, another film that's actually coming out um this, uh this week is uh, uh the film The Banker. Mm. Uh, which Can't wait for this. We, yeah, we we actually talked about uh about this a uh, a little while back because the, the trailer just dropped a little while back, and it's actually an interesting thing, right? Like. Um, some of these uh, some of these streaming films, they'll come out in theaters, right? So I'm not used to a trailer dropping and then like the next week, you being know, able to watch the film, you know, coming out at so home just, in your bed. Exactly. So, but uh, but this isn't. Um, it's actually coming out in theaters first before it actually drops. I think on uh, Apple TV Plus, unless I'm mistaken. Um, but this is a this is a a film. Hold on here. I'm sorry. Uh, let me get my thoughts in order here. Um, so who's in this movie though? Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Anthony Mackie, as well as Nia Long. Um, uh, okay. and who are the, the white actor who plays like the, the front of the business. Yeah. Uh, he, he was in the X-Men series. Uh, he, he played uh, um, Nicholas Holt. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He played Beast in the X Men. Yeah. Uh, so the banker is based uh, on a true story of two African American entrepreneurs, Jackson, or yeah, uh, Samuel Jackson and Anthony Mackie, who during the 1950s hired a working class white man to pretend to be the head of their business empire while they posed as janitor and chauffeur. Uh, so this is um, uh, this is directed by uh, George uh, Nolfi. Uh, and written by Brad Kane, or story by Brad, Brad Kane, and uh, uh, the screenplay was written by uh, Nicole Levy, uh, and stars Samuel Jackson, Nicholas Holt, Anthony Mackie, and uh, of course Neil Long. This um, looks good. So we did a review of the trailer. Yeah. Um, I believe this was like a week ago, two weeks ago, and now that's um, it's going to be in theaters and then on streaming services or on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks good. Yeah. 
I, you know, again, like we talked about when we reviewed the trailer, I mean, I like the cast. I like the storyline. Um, the, tra- the first trailer looks good. And again, just the story just looks uh, original. It looks interesting. It looks intriguing. I think the perspective that this is coming from, it's not about like, you know, racial. It definitely uh, is about racial tension. No, I mean, it's racial tension is, is a big part of the story because it's a part of the reality of what really happened during mm-hmm. this particular time. Mm-hmm. But I think it focuses more on other things than, um, you know, the racial disparity that was going on during this time, which, you know, a lot of these movies uh, can sometimes be a bit heavy. And it is one, it is always great to have one that it's a little bit lighter, but it also tells like a great story. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting take because I think, uh, I think that this film looks like it's primed to talk about some pretty heavy racial issues when you have two black uh, entrepreneurs who are essentially doing, trying to essentially start Black Wall Street. Uh, and they get a white dude to be, you know, they're the, the, essentially the face of it so they can even get it off the ground. Yeah. You have but to talk to, about racial yeah, issues. You have to, but case. to me, that's like humorous in and, in and of itself, right? It's like, it, to me, this mm. is about... Okay, so you're, so you're saying that it's not just like some heavy-handed, like, oh, uh, just white people being racist. Like, yeah, to me, yeah, this is about like just, ingenuity. This is about, um, you know, okay. being so there's, uh, there's an angle to it. Is there, yeah, it's about ingenuity yeah. and entrepreneurship, sure. and and it's about a lot of like really, uh, you know, uh, lighter, more positive things. Yeah, and I, I can imagine this movie is going to be very funny, right? These yeah. two this guy posing as the chauffeur and the janitor while this white man, you know, pretends to run the business, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I think this is going to be a very fun film where you can like, you're actually going to be able to laugh and smile at times. Um, yeah. It's going to focus more on the positive than, you know, the negative. Yeah. And uh, like I said, this movie drops this, uh, this uh, Friday, which is December 6th. Uh, and uh, so it comes out in theaters and on a limited basis in uh, on the 6th, but it actually comes out uh, for streaming on the Apple TV plus uh, platform uh, in January um, of 2020. It's a long time. Uh, that is a long time. Um, I, is it a long time? It feels like it. Does it? <laughs> December sixth to January when? Uh, December sixth to January. It, like it, when it just January? says January. I don't, I don't, January. I don't, yeah, no, I don't. I don't see a specific date. Feels long. December's a long month. Right. There's a lot going on. Fair enough. Okay. It's cold. Yeah. You got it. People are spending a lot does of money. Time, does time slow down when it's cold? I guess. Yes, a cold minute is like a warm <laughs> hour. Did you just think of that right now? Yes. Damn, that was smooth. Woo! Hey. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I don't even know exactly what that means, but... <laughs> it doesn't... It, it's one of those things your grandfather would say yeah, right. that sticks, that stuck with you. Uh, it, it absolutely does sound like something. One day like my daughter's going to be talking to some people. She's like, you know, my father used to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, like, cold minute. Yeah, that's just... Uh, I want that so badly. Yeah. Right. Like especially when you have kids to have like saying yes. Yeah. My father used to say, or my grandfather used to say, uh fuck like, that. I don't want to be used to say it. I wanted to say he still says it because he's still alive. <laughs> yes, yes, very true. But like generations later, uh, you, know, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. that. Like to yeah, leave yeah. my great grandfather used to leave to say, that yeah. bit of gem that passes down family to family. Dude, I, I think that's why I'm, I'm so to write some of this shit down. That's why I'm so interested in filmmaking, man, because uh it, it's a way to encapsulate your thoughts. And yeah. a piece of you without having to like rely upon people spreading that themselves, but to like have an actual thing. Oh, you want to know what my granddad thought? 
watch this film. Yeah. Um, or just even forget just family, you know, just anybody. Hey, you want to, you want to know what that dude tune day used to think. Here's yeah. a, here's a film that perfectly explains sort of like how he thinks and how he feels. Um, and you can do that like, you know, and that could be from like the director's perspective, like the actors, the writers, yeah. uh, you know, there's so many people who are involved in that filmmaking process that you can, um, at, to your point, you can say like, here's, this person's perspective or their thoughts, their feelings during this period of time encapsulated in this film. Yeah. That's why we all love movies, right? They're so in, influential and in, in, inspiring. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, I definitely put that in the wrong place. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You're fucking this up. I really am. You're fucking this up bad. No, yeah. I meant to uh, think I want to talk about streaming now. Uh, let me pull that real quick. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, what's coming out on streaming platforms uh, uh, this week uh, as well. Uh, you got some porn up there? Uh, yeah. Why not? Do you incognito it? Incognito porn? Yeah. I think you got to, right? Like you can't, you can't just... You can't just you can't just search that on the regular yeah, browser. Yeah, yeah. You gotta know. Let, see my Let me open up this history? new incognito window oh, okay. on Animal? Google Chrome. <laughs> yeah, let me have some goddamn respect for myself and hide yeah. my porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is strange when you live alone and you do that, or you don't like live with like multiple people. Yeah, um, I mean everyone watches porn on low volume, right? You never know who's watching, especially if you, if you got a Google Home or Alexa now. You're uh, all, someone's always listening. I'm not sure about that. Like, or like, what do you, you can? No, no. But if somebody's listening in on your phone or whatever, why is it that you're listening on a lower volume when they can already hear whatever the fuck it is that you're doing? Because you don't want to do that shit on high volume. It's, it's still embarrassing. Nah, you shouldn't be. Just go for it. Fuck no, it. no, no, no. No one ever watches <laughs> porn above like. The, the 10 volume mark. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, on full blast. Fuck no. it. Why not? <laughs> You're living a dangerous life. Why? What do you, what's the worst that, that's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, there's like a, in, in, there's like a smoldering intensity to it when you do it on low volume. intensity. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to die deeper into that. What the fuck is yeah. that? <laughs> it just sounds good. It's like a lowly, it's like a low fire. Right, that will eventually rage, but for now it's low. All right, uh, moving on. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? No, uh, I was filling time because you fucked up. Yeah, no, you definitely were. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I got you. Got your back. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's coming out on streaming this week. Um, so uh, on HBO we have Umber seasons one and two, uh, as well as HBO Latino presents a Tiny Audience Part One. Damn, I thought uh, that was going somewhere else. Oh uh, no! Uh, Tiny Dancer is that what you were gonna say? No, we, I don't know. I was just hoping for something sexy. You said HBO Latino. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <I> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> My expectations. All right. Uh, then we have on Hulu, uh, making it season two premiere. Uh, and these are just shows that are premiering this week, I guess, because we're like in the midway through the uh, TV show season. I guess that's why all these shows are like premiering now, or that. We're in like in holiday season. Um, we have the Great Christmas Lights fight, uh, season seven premiere. Uh, Brad Paisley thinks he's special, uh, and that's from a uh, ABC. Uh, most of these are from ABC. 
uh, CMA Country Christmas Special, ABC, uh, the Moody's series premiere. That's Fox. Uh, and then we have some uh, original series for Hulu. We have Into the Dark, a nasty piece of work. Uh, this is a this is a specific episode for that series. And then we have uh, Reprisal, uh, complete season one premiere. Uh, on Amazon Prime, we have The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, season three. I actually really want to watch this show. Have you seen commercials for it? Um, I mean, the I think promos for they it. They took home a lot of many awards. awards yeah. at the, was it the Emmys? The Emmys, yeah. Yeah, I think um, the the actress who stars in this, she took home Best Actress. I think they took home, like, they were nominated for, like, Best Screenplay or Best Writing and Directing. Um I think this is a film we're gonna or a show I'm gonna have to watch just because yeah when I, you see how many awards it's won and how many like uh, how do you accolade, not yeah, talk how do you about not it yeah pay attention to it yeah I I think I I want to watch it and and I actually did hear that it's genuinely like pretty funny um it's it's one of those series I always meant to like get into mm-hmm. but I just hadn't found this the time to and the Crown on Netflix are two I I have no interest in watching the Crown I just like Queen no Elizabeth interest. I I hate that whole era I hate the fact that we still make movies on it. Fuck Me that too. Me like, too. It, it, yeah. it looks so boring and just so fucking like why uh, we're in Scotland uh, yeah. we're in England wherever the fuck we like I don't okay great we've done that a thousand fucking times I yeah. don't need to see it I just like Queen Elizabeth and her story is interesting fuck that whole era and, and the whole like royal family of England and sure. blah 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 Queen Elizabeth stories. Yeah, I don't know why I said Scotland to start with. Yeah, yeah. very different countries. <laughs> um, but and I like how with the Crown it follows her decade through decade through decade. Mm. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we have Clifford season one A. Clifford uh, like the big red dog. I think so. Yeah. Why not? What? Dang, he's still getting a bag. Or somebody's getting a bag. Uh, I don't know if it's. Yeah. <laughs> it like he's an animated dog. So I was like, wait, you want? Me to produce another season of that stupid fucking dog? <laughs> Why not? How much? <laughs> How much? Okay, listen, I'm gonna start working on this today. You'll have it by Wednesday. <laughs> I haven't even proofread it, but yeah. you'll, you'll have it. It's not even good, but here it is. Yeah, uh, we have Inside Edge season two, and then on Netflix we have a slew of things coming out. Um, uh, Dead Kids, which is a Netflix film. Uh, Team Kaylee about abortions part two. I don't. I don't know. No idea. Yeah. I'm just trying to blow through these because we usually spend a ridiculous a of time, amount of time yeah, on it. Yeah. I just want to tell uh, that very dark joke. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be upset at that joke. Uh, I think they're used to it by now. I yeah. think the outreach has uh, uh, passed. One day I'm going to like top myself and say something that even I yeah. deeply regret. Yeah, we're going to have to burn these tapes. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, special day Natal Porta dos Fundos uh, Primera uh, Tecnaco Fuck. Uh, <laughs> Listen, we have uh, which is a you, Netflix you, film. You're gonna what what language is that? I'm pretty oh, sure it's Spanish. Spanish? Yeah, we're gonna fuck over all of our Spanish listeners. Uh with, with you pronouncing shit like that. Listen, yeah, you gotta get the Rosetta they gotta, Stone. They, they gotta yeah. <laughs> I really Please. do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is either, actually either learn how to say it or say it with confidence. I, I tried to say it with confidence and it didn't work. I no, was, it, I was trying. No. You did not even try to say that with confidence. There's a lot of uh, uh, mumbling and stuttering. Fair enough. No, just All go right. for it. We have a uh, Tiffany Haddish, a black uh, black mitzvah, uh, which is a stand-up special. I'm sure for from Tiffany Haddish. Um, this is the big one we've been waiting for, right? I don't know if it's the big one, but it's it's a special from Tiffany Haddish that we. we well, I mean, this for. is her like first big Netflix stand-up special, right? First big Netflix. I think she had one with Showtime, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Yeah. 
right. Uh, okay. We have Black Mitzvah. Check this out. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, I I've not been highly impressed with Tiffany Haddish. Not her stand up. Um, uh, and even in movies, too, sometimes it's it's a hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's got that new movie coming out with Rose Br- Brian? Brian? Oh, uh, Byron or Rose yeah, Byron yeah. and uh, Salma Hayek. Um, uh, it's about like her and Rose. I remember seeing Brin some, own oh, like a hair studio. Or yeah, hair Salma Hayek's like this like uh, rich something something or investor. Another. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I remember. Yeah, that that, coming that out. We, I think looks funny well, in an like outrageously funny way. Yeah, as long as Tiffany's not sort of. Bo- I feel like sometimes when you box her in, I haven't watched the. Um, uh, what's the movie with um, uh, Kevin Hart? No, no, no. With um, uh, McCarthy. It's uh, uh Joan McCarthy, Jenna, Jenny McCarthy. Uh, no, no, not Jenny. Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy said Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, not <laughs> blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, what uh, movie did the, they star in? It wasn't the town because uh, that's clearly Ben Affleck. But uh, it was uh, the, the kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched that yet. But I, even just from the trailers, it seemed like that. That's something I'd want to see her. The kitchen looked good. Yeah. It's, it's terrible that that movie flopped. I mean, a lot of movies have flopped, right? Like, uh, so for instance, you know, according to you, you saw Terminator, uh, uh, Dark Fate, Dark Fade, and you thought it was really good. I'd watch that again. That flopped. Yeah, I, I could. I, I could tell by <laughs> yeah. who was in the theater with me <laughs> that I was like, "Damn, this the quality of audience. This movie is not doing good." Like, I swear to God, when I was um when I bought the ticket and I walked into the theater, the lights were somewhat still on. Yeah, uh, and I got to take a you know a, a quick gander. Mm-hmm. At, you know, because I always like to look around at all right, which one of these motherfuckers is going to shoot up this theater, right? Mm-hmm. And I, sit, I always sit near the exit, <laughs> and I always make sure I sit next to someone who can shield me from you know a couple bullets. <laughs> Maybe I'll get hit in the leg, but I can walk that off. I know myself. <laughs> um, but I took a look around the theater, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not who they envisioned would be in the <laughs> theater." <laughs> and there were so many open seats, and I was like, "Damn, this movie only came out like a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's not doing well." Yeah, but what, what it was a really good movie. Uh, I think this was like a Friday night or Saturday oh, yeah, night. That's disappointing, yeah. At like eight o'clock or something like that. Yeah, if it's in a second week, yeah, it you, should, you still it should want. Should be it's the theater should have been full. So, so they're gonna reboot this, which is again they're gonna they're going to. Well, there's so, no way they're gonna do a sequel to it. The if it actress who uh, now they're with the way they left Dark Fate. There's more story to they, tell. No, no, that's what I thought was gonna happen with Terminator Salvation. That's what I thought was going to happen with uh, Terminator Genesis. Uh, all these movies leave room for other sequels uh, to that specific thread of a movie, and all of them rebooted. I don't know. I think with this particular one, where they left it, there's more story to tell. And um, the woman who stars in this movie, uh, Mackenzie Davis, yeah, I think she yeah, was... We, we talked about her. Yeah, yeah, she was phenomenal in this yeah. movie. Like She sold it well, and her acting ability was stellar yeah. compared to what we've seen in other Terminator movies. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, of Mackenzie Davis. Like I said last week. Moving on from all this, women uh, named Mackenzie are usually dope, right? Uh, I don't know if I can confirm, but uh, chicks okay. named Jessica are usually like uh, whatever. Taylor, are, it's like, uh, are you just choosing? Britneys, Britneys are. You always know three Britneys, and there, two of them are cool. One of them, like 
fuck Britney, right? <laughs> Karens, you always hate Karen. Yo, Arena, I'm gonna cut you off. Let's <laughs> let's continue. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I was Christ. going nowhere with that. <laughs> You're going nowhere. Mackenzie's are usually cool. All right, uh, so we have Let's Dance, which is a Netflix film. Uh, Los uh, Um which is a Netflix original. I'm guessing it's a show of some sort. Uh, Magic for Humans season two, uh, Netflix original. Uh, a Christmas Prince. The Royal Baby, which is a Netflix film. Apache, La Vida de Carlos, uh, TV, TV, just go for it. Tevez, yes, yeah, uh, Netflix see, original. Yeah, sounded so much better. Um, Home for Christmas, uh, another show. Uh, v Wars, which is another show. Astronomy Club, sketch show, and I guess it's the first of the month, so that's why they have so much shit coming it's out. The first of the month. Yeah. Wake up, wake up, uh, wake up. So, uh, so then we have Astronomy Club, the sketch show. The Chosen One season two, which is another show. Astronomy Club is a sketch comedy thing. Uh, Astronomy Club, the sketch show, which sketch is a show. yeah, which is a it's like uh, a Key and Peele. I guess I, from I didn't have show. time to look up all these before. Will there ever be another Chappelle show? No, no. It's I think we, it's time has proven that there won't be. The Key and Peele tried, but they were to me, they weren't even close. Key and Peele was matching. it was too safe. Considering the people involved, yeah, like of yeah. course, like yeah. Chappelle gave precisely no fucks uh, about where he was going to go, or how he was going to. And get it was there. an appropriate time oh, where where yeah. you didn't have to be, um, you didn't have to censor yourself. Chappelle's so show simply would not succeed in today's environment. It would be off people the air within the sensitive. first episode. Even back then, it was pretty risque for for back in 2002, 2003, yeah. that, that time period. So, yeah, back then, though, like, what would happen? People would write a letter to the studio, you know, it would get filed away in the mail, nobody would fucking read it. Now, you know, people take to social media, which is just such a powerful engine to, like, voice your uh, disapproval of this or that, right? It, it's... You know, back then you could maybe go on Facebook or uh, MySpace and say, ah, "I don't, I didn't like the episode of Chappelle's Show." No one really fucking heard it, except for Tom, right? No, no. I, I, here's the difference, though. The Chappelle Show back then still actually got a lot of backlash because of you know, you know, and and I would say it's it was different in the way that only a few control the narrative. Now it's different that like there's a whole swarm of people that can control the narrative. I would say that. It's too too many people are controlling the narrative in terms of like the outrage or whatever the case is. Um, but back then it was only a few. And even those few were like, nah, this is crazy. But yeah, well, like, so it was so fucking back good. Then, it, well, not granted. It was fucking good, right? It was just good. If you, if one episode offended you, there's no way you didn't watch a few others and say, all right, this shit is, I funny, gotta give it right. Chance, yeah. And like back then when you said something, when you voiced your disapproval, right? Let's say you did it on social media, you wrote a letter, blah, blah, blah. You started an online petition. A hundred thousand <laughs> people heard your, disapproval now i mean if you say it on you know twitter and instagram and linkedin like like literally millions of people especially if it catches fire millions of people hear it and then there's no way studios can there's there's no way you can ignore disapproval today either you acknowledge it and you change or you acknowledge it and you say hey this is we're going to keep doing what we're doing but now it's just so much easier for you know just random everyday people to start like a, you know, a disapproval movement. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I forget how we got on this particular topic, but um, we started oh, with a question yeah. about whether or not there will be a Chappelle show. Yeah. Answer is no. The answer is no. Yeah. Um, all right. We have the, um, the confession 
uh, The Confession Killer, which is a documentary. We have Fuller House season five. I think this is the final season. And I think this is uh, they're doing a part A and part B, if I'm not mistaken. And I think this is part A. I hope so. Um, let this be. Yeah, this let, is, let it be done. Yeah, I, I have no interest. Uh, Candace Cameron, who she's, you know, she plays what, DJ? That's the DJ, original right? one, right? She, no, it's still played by the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original yeah. DJ. The original one. What do you mean by original? from like the original Full House? Yeah, yeah. Girl who played she's, DJ. Yeah, she's she's still yeah playing yeah. DJ. Um, uh, she's like super religious. She is. Oh yeah. god. And she almost like um, <laughs> isn't it funny for me to say oh god? Yeah, well yeah I know right <laughs> irony. Uh, <laughs> that is the definition of irony. Um, but she she reminds me of kind of like candid. Uh, who, who's that dude? Cam- Cameron something. Uh, Cameron Diaz. No no not Cameron Diaz. Cameron uh, it's a dude. Jordan uh, from the. Uh, New Orleans Saints. Yeah, exactly. Cameron Jordan. Cameron. Uh, no, uh, damn. Um, I forget what his name is. Uh, I forget his full name, but he's like super religious as well. He Cameron Dipset. No, let me do what I'm trying to say. Uh, he uh, James Cameron. He, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> You're just gonna keep doing this. <laughs> yes. All right. Fuck it. Those, I don't even care what those, I was. Those are all the Camerons I knew. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> all right. Moving on. It wasn't important, anyways. Um. Didn't we sound have, like it. Yeah, we have Glow Up, which is a uh, another Netflix show, uh, and, and then the uh, Noah Baumbach film Marriage Story comes out uh, this this week. Ah, yeah, this is with uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Exactly, uh, and so, and so I definitely will be tuning into that. Uh, we have Spirit Writing Free, The Spirit of Christmas, which is a family show or film. Uh, Christmas teasing Master Takaji San, uh, which is an anime season two. Uh, oh, Takaji san. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Japanese is spoken from the chest. The chest. Uh, say, it, say it with your chest. Uh, Three Days of Christmas, uh, another show. Triad Princess, another show. And Virgin River, another show. All right. Virgin River. Oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Now let's move on to what we got coming out as far as uh, trailers go. Um, let's see. Maybe I. Did I not do this the right way? That's, I don't think you did. Yeah, I didn't do it the right way. Um, damn, I really fucked this up. I don't know how. Um, all right. Uh, so for whatever reason, let's start off with uh, the photograph, which uh, uh, which is actually a, a trailer that came out uh, at the beginning of November. But I think uh, we're we're gonna do a couple trailers today that. Um, damn, I didn't realize it came out at the beginning of November. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of trailers on here that that actually uh, we just didn't um, that we didn't talk about, um, and so we're gonna try to get to you today. The photograph is one of them, and I'm actually trying to. It's, the photograph has like the worst um, uh, synopsis on I, uh, uh, IMDb. So, <laughs> you had to slow down. IMDb, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many letters. Um, so it's a series of intertwining uh, love stories set in the past and the present. So this is a movie starring uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Chelsea Peretti, uh, Calvin Harrison, and Issa Rae. Uh, so this is you know the, the two main characters in this film, Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield. Um, Issa, uh, Lakeith Stanfield plays a, I believe, a reporter or a journalist who's doing a story on May, played by Issa Rae, uh, well, actually her mother, and in the process of uh, doing this story or this this piece on her mother, mm-hmm. who was a famed photographer, he ends up falling in love with her. So it's this really unique love story, which focuses on both their newfound love or, you know, the, the love that they're 
you know, exploring while also focusing on, uh, again, May, who, who's played by Issa Rae's mother, her relationship with her husband and her daughter and photography. So it's like a, again, you know, focuses in the, it's, it's, it's a story of the past and the present, um, which to me, it's a fun perspective. Yeah. And I mean, I just love the cast in this film. I like the story. Uh, one of the things you're going to notice when you're watching the trailer for this movie is the music. The music is very prominent. It's very bold. It's also very good. Um, I liked it. I'm not even a romantic comedy guy or like a romantic movie guy, mm-hmm. but this looks good. Yeah. No, it really does look good. Uh, and it's directed by Stella Maggie, uh, as well as written by uh, Maggie as well. Uh, and is due out February 14th of 2020. Um, yeah, People named Stella usually do good work. What is with you in names? Like <laughs> You got Stella Artois, right? The beer, right? Stella McCartney, right? You got Stella, this person who wrote this movie, right? <laughs> You've got um, uh, uh, Stella from Stella's Got a Groove Back. <laughs> what, okay, and what good work did that Stella do? She got a groove back. <laughs> <laughs> I just made all that shit up on the fly. <laughs> Yo, this guy. Rare, rare form you are uh, today. Um, this whiskey. Yeah, I'm this sure. This podcast uh, is sponsored by Jameson <laughs> It's definitely it's, not. It's not but, uh, hopefully. But we're future. drinking it, and hopefully they'll pay us. Um, so, um, yeah, I think this film actually lo- does look really good. And if you look around close enough in the film, you'll see a lot of sort of mainstays with, uh, with Issa Rae. And I- I'm pretty sure she's uh, one of the producers on this film. I haven't actually looked that up, but, uh, but I could probably say that with confidence uh, without actually having to see it because I see a lot of people from, uh, from insecure. Yeah. And I, and I think that Stella actually, uh, uh, she directed an episode of uh, insecure. Um, so I don't know if it's the correlation or maybe I guess Issa Rae isn't a, a producer. I don't actually see that she has a producer credit, but um, I would imagine she played some type of, um, you know, uh, she contributed to production of this film in some capacity. I, I couldn't imagine her taking a back seat and only acting um, based off of the, the body of the work that she's she's done and she's been a part of. Yeah. But she may have just been like, Hey, you know, like a lot of times if you're an artist, if you're a creator, yeah. right, you want to be so involved in the, in the creation of it that sometimes you may need to just step back and be like, you know, led right to sure. take direction. That's uh, and I think she also wants to grow herself as an actress. Right. And, yeah. and not always be director, producer, writer. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's very true. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this film looks dope. Like I said, comes out in February of 2020. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move forward here. And I'm going to try to find, the trailer and I'm pretty sure this is not it. Nope. Not it. Nope, that that was not it. That was MBJ. Yeah, the, uh, uh, I think he could pull it damn. off. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh yeah, let me quickly pull this shit up. Um You were talking about me earlier with the iPhone. Look at you with this Apple desktop. Oh, I but I d I don't I don't doubt that. Or I don't uh, run away from that at all. Mm-hmm. I, uh, willfully, yeah. I'm uh, buying shit up without thinking about where it came from or the people who were involved. So this was produced in China. Those little Chinese kids that made this for you. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, you're a scumbag. I don't dirt bag. I really am. I only have the new iPhone 11. Didn't you just say you? I've bought got the shit with the two cameras. Didn't though? you just say you bought a new computer? Um, <laughs> I bought. It's new to me. It's not new. <laughs> All right. Either way, it's used. All right. Uh, 
this. Sorry about that. Okay. The, now this trailer does look good. Yeah. Fuck Samuel L. Jackson just can't. When's he gonna stop? He's not making great movies. Uh, cover your ears. There's gonna be some loud music. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that noise you made. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Now we're back in business. We're right. back. All right. Here we go. Back in business, like. Uh-oh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that whiskey's hitting you a certain way right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, uh, shout out to, uh, was it Toys R Us? Right? Um, they f- is it Toys R Us? They what? filed for bankruptcy. Um, I believe it's Toys R Us. Filed for bankruptcy at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just announced that they are making a return uh, for this Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Opening up. Wait, think, what? How is that even possible? Capitalism. Um, <laughs> So it's like, uh, you know, because bankruptcy, chapter 11, right, saying, hey, the money that I'm making is not as much as the money that I owe, right? So I'm going to file for bankruptcy, which is going to eliminate, you know, and, and I don't fucking know the actual law, how it actually works, but it's like, I'm going to eliminate my debts, right? I no longer owe these debts. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to retain the money that I'm making, but I don't owe. Um, yeah. It does negatively, it hurts your credit score, it hurts your ability to take out like business loans, blah, 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 moving forward, but you get to keep what you have and you don't no longer have to pay out what you owe. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the fuck Toys R Us is able to just say, hey, we're back in business, we're opening up new stores, is beyond me. It, it yeah. reminds me of like the uh, automotive industry bailout. Um, what was that, like 2008, 2009 or something like that? Yeah, somewhere thereabouts. Where, you know, GM and Chrysler and all of these automotive companies were just like, yeah, we're filing for bankruptcy. Um, and then they just got like billions of dollars in federal loans. And now they're like, the new Chrysler 300 is coming out <laughs> next week. It's yeah. just crazy. Where it's like, if you're... Uh, not doing well financially, there's no bailout for you, right? No, that's absolutely true. Uh, what spurned this on? Just random what thought. What? What? It, how did? I thought you had like, were you going to tie this to the last? No, I, there was something going on over here, so I'm filling time. <laughs> yeah. But you said that after I said, "Oh, we're back in business." <laughs> and <then> yes. <laughs> so the back in business thing took me to Toys R Us, and then from there I went down a, I went down a, a trail. Here we are. <laughs> Right, but yo, is this what it's like? We found things along the trail. So, right? so, let, so, so to let the, <laughs> the the audience out there know, um, so, uh, so, Arain at this particular moment in time is drinking uh, some some nice fine whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, and I am drinking uh, some nice chai tea. Uh, I thought you, I thought you had some whiskey too. No, which is why I'm like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> Stop going off in these no. tangents. I've had <laughs> coffee and whiskey. <laughs> All Dangerous in a span combi- of like thirty minutes. Dangerous So you know, there's caffeine yeah. there. You're ready to go. There's, there's alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, this is how I am on the wreck. Fair enough. Uh, but like, yeah. <laughs> all right, let, let's let's talk about this trailer for the last full measure. If you had all this shit together, I wouldn't have to do. That, this. They're very true. No, no, I, I'm very disappointed <laughs> in myself first and foremost. All right. Um, so let's talk about the last full measure, which is a, a trailer that just came out. Uh, uh, let me give you the the quick synopsis. Um, Thirty four years after his death, Airman William H. Uh, Pitsenbarger, Jr. Pitts for short, 
is awarded the nation's highest military honor for his actions on the battlefield. Uh, this film is directed by Todd Robinson, as well as written by Todd Robinson uh, and stars uh, Samuel Jackson, Sebastian, uh, Sebastian Stan, as well as uh, Christopher Plummer. Um, yeah, the, the trailer looked pretty interesting. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to uh, what to make of it uh, or to where to really sort of like place it. Uh, and I think that in some ways that can be kind of an effective trailer when, you know, you're unsure of where to actually like stand with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't love these like wartime movies, right? Movies that focus on like fucking World War One or World War Two or um, I think this is a this is what Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, I really don't enjoy these types of films. But when I was watching this trailer, its perspective was very interesting, right? Because it's not necessarily focused more on like the war, right? It's mm-hmm. focused on the acts of like one particular individual. Mm-hmm. Um what the government did to kind of conceal, um, you know, a, a major fuck up. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, fo- it's focusing on, on this, uh, the lawyer played by Sebastian Stanfield trying to like write those wrongs, like digging and in, digging in until he finds out like, Hey, there's something wrong that happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to shine light on that wrong. And we're going to honor this person who did such, you know, who, who, uh, who did such, a valiant man, right? Throughout the course of the war, saved many lives. Um, we're going to tell like a real story. We're going to honor this person for, for his family. Uh, so that is what I like the yeah. war shit. No, but stories of like individual valor and greatness, like that is what I like. And that's what this movie's, uh, the story this movie's going to tell. Yeah. Great cast, Sebastian Stan, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, who's that old white guy? Uh, Christopher Plummer. Yes. No, no, wait, no, he's the young guy. Uh, no, that's that's the old guy, the old guy, Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Yeah. yeah, um, I like him. Yeah, he was great he's, actor. Phenomenal he's had actor. a very storied, uh, storied career. Yeah. Uh, so again, I just like the perspective that this movie is telling. If it was just another war movie about Vietnam, I'm like, nah, fuck that. But unique perspective. Yeah. Um. All right, let's talk about. Uh, oh wait, but this kind of feels like a. It's pulling some uh, Captain America from here, right? Pitts could be Cap. We got Sebastian Stan in here, the Winter Soldier. We've got Nick Fury in here. <laughs> Maybe after that war shit, they were like, "Hey, yo, uh, have you heard of this Avengers Initiative?" <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, are they hiring? I, like, yeah, I think they're hiring. Let's go fuck with. Let's go fuck let's with Shield. It. Why not? Now that <laughs> Vietnam War is over, yeah. I think Shield is hiring. Yeah, this is this is about the uh, the beginnings of Nick Fury with uh with uh, Shield. Yeah. Uh, all right. Though we actually got that with Captain Marvel, so we, technically we already let's that. forget Captain Marvel <laughs> ever fucking happened. No, we don't need to do that. That shit uh, was terrible. It was good. It was good. I, I like Captain Marvel. I I think it could have been better, but um, it could have been uh, a yeah. lot better. Yeah, uh, watch Captain Marvel like you watch your porn, low volume. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's the best way to watch it. Uh, we talk a lot about porn on, we on do. this podcast. It's a uh, I'm telling uh, you, it might be a little concerning. We're yeah. Fishing for sponsors here. <laughs> the so let, let's get Pornhub, Jameson, and Maryland Man Whiskey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, uh, another film that we um, we it came out. Uh, the trailer came out a couple days uh, or a couple weeks ago, but we just never got a chance to talk about is the death and life of uh, uh, John F. Donovan, which. Uh, uh, stars, you know, uh, the one Kit Harrington, Kit Harrington, John Snow himself. I don't want it. I don't want it. 
my queen. <laughs> uh, so let me will, get will he ever escape that? No, never. Uh, especially not if he keeps that hair. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, no. no but the hair looks good. The, yeah. lo- the you know the longer. Yeah, that's why he'll never escape it because hair. it looks good, but it still reminds you of yeah. Jon Snow. Um, but anyways, uh, a decade after the death of an American television star, a young actor reminisces about the written uh, correspondence he shared with him, as well as the impact those letters had on both their lives. This film is directed by Xavier Dolan, as well as written by Dolan and uh, Jacob uh, Tierney. Tierney. Um, and it stars uh, Kit Harington, Natalie Portman, Jacob Tremblay. Uh, yeah, um, this film, it looked very interesting, uh, to say the very least. It, 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 but it, again, it can go either way. It looks like it could be very boring or very weird and stupid, but it also looks like it could be a very nice, poignant film. Yeah. Um, could, could looks like it could go either way, but it's very interesting to say the very yeah. to say the least. Based off of what I've seen in this movie, right? I'm interested in it because it explores like relationships, right? And mm-hmm. like where you find friendship, where you find connectivity, where you find like someone who's sh- like with shared interests and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find it in weird places. Like sometimes, um, you know, you may find where like an adult man is friends with like an adult man or woman or child, people of very different backgrounds, very different. Um, you know, cultures, uh, different walks of paths, find friendship in in each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that friendship can be looked at from the outside perspective as like, this shouldn't be happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, no way, you know, a white man and a black man should be friends or would be friends. Right. Like that relationship would have been frowned upon. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if you're of a different religion in this particular story, it's, you know, this, famous male actor who's found friendship in like a young boy who hopes to be an actor one day right mm-hmm. so people are very judgmental of that relationship you see it in this trailer where it's like why 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 is this man friends with this young child mm-hmm. um which from the outside can seem kind of like weird but you know who is to judge where you find like real friendship um, yeah so that is what interests me about this film I think it's it's gonna like challenge not necessarily people's way of well I guess you could say challenge people's way of thinking right yeah um I, I think that you 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 make a very uh very good point uh in terms of like just like unorthodox friendships yeah. uh and things that we as adults might be uncomfortable with right like thinking about like oh like this you know at one point you know this this actor is like a ten year old boy corresponding mm-hmm. with this you know adult you know actor um. Uh, played by uh, Kit Harrington, and that can be troubling for a lot of people to say the very least as well it, it kind of should be I think in terms of like you always got to be a little more apprehensive when it yeah. comes to these type of relationships because we know there's some dark shit that happens in this world and you don't want that to happen to anybody you know say for you know like it, it, especially if you think about like your own ch- children or yeah. whatever the case is so it's always better to err on the side of caution but it doesn't especially mean that, if that Kit Harrington in this movie is a Catholic then yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> right, let's really take a look and at this and if he's coming right? around talking about uh, my queen is dead <laughs> then you're like uh, this kid I got uh, yeah. disturbed Wait, um, didn't you have sex with your aunt <laughs> I don't want you writing my no, kid anymore no fly right? zone <laughs> yeah um, no but uh, and, and that's another interesting aspect of the film is, is that it, it kind of kind of mimics real life in a way right like uh, so uh, 
uh, Kit Harrington struggled with uh, alcohol, like I think addiction mm-hmm. or alcoholism as it's more commonly known as. Uh, uh, and this film sort of in a way sort of mimics his life, you know, where he's this really famous actor that everybody's trying to like get a piece of uh, in real life. Obviously, he played Jon Snow. Everybody went a piece of him because yeah. he's fucking Jon Snow, you know. Um, yeah, so it's it's sort of meta in that way. Yeah, um, and in real life, he's he has his like own struggles and exactly right. And exactly. in this movie, he has to confide or find himself in his relationship with this young boy to help him deal with, you know, the you know the complexities of being a celebrity. Yeah. Um, I wonder if if like when the people at the Vatican saw this, if they were worried, <laughs> like, yo, is is this gonna fall back on us? Is, does this have anything to do with Doesn't us? Doesn't all roads lead back there anyways? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Hold, we need to stop this. We need to stop this right now. Uh, but it, this movie looks good. Yeah. Uh, Will I see this in theaters? Once I sign up for like the Regal movie pass or like the AMC movie pass or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, maybe maybe I put this on the list. I would have to think it's coming out probably in limited theaters, but uh, uh, but yeah, the the film comes out December thirteenth uh, of this year. Uh, so all right, moving forward here, um, let's jump into some of our our main topics here, uh, and the first one being um, vegan Batman is back. Oh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So we did a we did a story a while back in which we talked about uh, uh, <laughs> vegan Batman uh, in in you know uh, uh, one Robert uh, Pattinson, and uh, that I think you made the comments that he looks like you know uh, he looks very slender and you know he looks like he's going to be sort of, sort of like an emo Batman, um, and uh, lo and behold we get a story this week uh, this past week. Uh, from uh, Cosmic Book News um, uh, about Robert Pattinson not being able to bulk up, quote unquote, for the role or having issues bulking up uh, for the role. Um, so I'll, I'll just read you a little bit of this and and preface it with this. Uh, a, a major chunk of this story comes from a YouTuber. Her name's Grace Randolph. I don't necessarily care for Grace Randolph for a number of different reasons, but the chief of which is most people named grace are not actually that graceful. <laughs> Dude, how many times are you going to say, have you ever met name? a grace that you've liked? Um, I haven't met too many graces. The ones I have met, I don't think I really land on either side of it. You don't Whether like, I don't like them or do yeah. except for maybe this one, yeah. but I've never met her. So graces usually aren't good people. <laughs> All right. So, uh, grace Randolph, she uh she her takes on things as far as you know like because she does mainly i think she she does mainly like comic book news and shit her take on things i feel like to be blunt are stupid um so take that with a grain of salt because that's going to sort of pepper how we we tackle the story, but a, a large chunk of this news comes from her. So in the article from Cosmic Book News, they quote Grace uh, in saying that um, she says, "I think it's uh, it's probably impossible for him to fully bulk up because he uh, he has just uh, has a slight build." But I think it's hilarious. They're like, maybe if we give him or gave him a few weeks, he might bulk up. If he hasn't bulked up by now, he's not going to bulk up. Just accept that uh, you have a skinny Batman and deal with it. So I think it's funny. It's not 
like a huge delay. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, really. It's just a couple of a of weeks. So what happened is is that uh, the, the word, according to Grace, is that uh, they are delaying the filming of uh, the Batman from Matt Reeves because uh, they want to give Robert Pattinson a little more time to put on some 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 weight, put on some muscle, um, uh, and. Uh, you know, I think, and in that same article that that from Cosmic Book News, uh, they even talk about how he himself has said he doesn't like to work out. Uh, quote, uh, and this is a quote from Pattinson himself, according to Cosmic Book News. Uh, I didn't, uh, I and I guess he's talking about working out in this case. I didn't when I was younger, but now as I, uh, I have kind of a golden, uh, gotten older, I'm slowly getting aware of aging. So I'm kind of like. I got to put in some effort. Otherwise uh, I'm going to get a hip replacement, uh, which is actually not true. Um, so I don't think this is a fucking big deal. Like I think, it, I think it's weird that they're delaying production in order. Like it's like, dude, like I think the jury's in, I don't think two or three weeks is going to fucking help this dude look like he's, you know, fucking, uh, uh, Henry Cavill playing Superman. Like, I think, I think you, you've pretty much got what you got with fucking Robert Pattinson, but I think you should lean into it. Don't go for a fucking bulky Batman because the fuck do you need a bulky Batman for? You had Ben Affleck who looked like he put on 8,000 pounds of muscle. Affleck was jacked. Yo, he was jacked he as shit. Lo- but he looked good as Batman, right? He, he did, but what I'm saying is if you're going after a different vibe altogether, meaning that if he's going to be more of a detective, then just make him more of a detective. Like there's no reason to have him look like he's going to fucking like beat up an entire of the entire mafia by himself. Yes and no. So what we have in the Batman character is, you know, first and foremost, he is a detective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we know the Batman character, he does not have any superpowers. So he relies on his, uh, his intellect and he does have, I mean, he was trained by Raja Ghul, right? Mm -hmm. So he, does have like hand-to-hand combat heightened hand-to-hand combat ability so you have to be able to sell you know the that you know the combat aspect to his character he's a detective first he's an intellectual first but he can you know get down and dirty and throw hands as needed you you got to sell me that a little bit right Mm -hmm. um robert pattinson you know the robert pattinson we saw from twilight was it twilight yeah. yeah, yeah, from Twilight. Yeah, not gonna sell it. So yes, you gotta do some push-ups. You gotta do some sit-ups. You know, how much can you put up on the bench? You gotta sell the character to me just a but that's, little bit. I find that is strange, right? Because we we didn't have a problem with again Matt Damon and um the Firstborn identity. So, but they they weren't superheroes, right? They were spies. But that's but that's exactly who were you know who, who were trained. Yeah, but that's that's who we're talking about. We're talking about Robert. Pattinson as Batman, not as Superman, not as fucking uh, uh, whatever other, not Green Lantern or uh, anything like that. Like we're talking about him as the Cape Crusader, who yes, as Batman, uh, a superhero. Yeah, who who can go hand to hand with people, but is not going to like take on eighteen dudes at the same time, just like Ben Affleck did in uh, Batman vs Superman, where he took down like an entire floor of dudes with guns. Uh, fucking automatic Which assault rifle. One of the best. Uh, that was one of the scenes. better scenes in in the that film. scene. That um, Ben Affleck's fight scene in that movie was fucking incredible. It was. It was. Uh, but again, I don't think we're looking 
for that out of this incarnation. Yeah, sure. Of and we've Batman. talked about this. This is a different story. I think um, uh, who uh, played the first Batman uh, ever? No, no, not ever. Uh, Christian Bale, right? The more mm, recent Batman. The more recent Batman, sure. Uh, Christian and he, Bale. And he put on weight. Yeah. Uh, so to, Christian to Bale, he put on a little bit of weight. He put on a little bit of muscle, but he was not like jacked by any means, right? And that um, for, in the Batman Begins, he he was kind of jacked. And especially if you think about it in now, relation from... He, he was uh, in shape. He was fit. He had a little bit of muscle. Okay. Jacked? No, I wouldn't give him jacked. Okay. Uh, so what we got from the Christian Bale Batman was like a slimmer, in shape, fit Batman who could sell the hand-to-hand combat, mostly because... Um, but why would you need to put on weight in order to sell hand-to-hand combat? That's like so. For instance, right? You have a lot of dudes in UFC who are look pretty skinny. They're 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 in shape, meaning that like they they look you know got the six yeah. pack and got got the toned muscles, but they're not like big dudes, and they will fuck you up. Yeah, they'll fuck up a guy their size, maybe a guy a little bit bigger who is not. You know, a trained fighter, but they're not gonna fuck. Like if you're watching the USC, your hundred, your hundred forty five pound uh, weight class fighter, right? They're not beating your hundred seventy one pound guy, right? Yeah, yeah and, but th- but those are two people who are we're, we're saying that they're at even levels, right? Meaning that like they're both in the UFC, and you just go from one weight class to the other. Generally speaking, the heavier weights probably gonna win yeah. because they just they're now, just gonna dominate. Now, so let's I'm say you take about, a, let's say you take a hundred forty five pound trained fighter, double number eighteen. Yeah. I don't think Robert Pattinson's slim down a Batman is should have like I I won't have a problem watching that it, even if he's a, of the slimmer variety I'm not I don't give a fuck like whatever like I'm not gonna be like hmm he looks like he's one sixty five soaking wet oh I don't know if he's gonna be able to take this bad dude down see w- with a production with a film with a character who is so well known right who has such rich story like Batman unfortunately. I'm not going to say unfortunately, like you, you're going to have to sell it to your audience because your audience is very aware of this character, who this character is. They're very in tune to what they want to see from this character. Now, it's OK to depart from that a little bit and give the give the audience something they may not be used to or give the audience a different perspective or a different take. But there are certain things that if I'm a fan of Batman Right, and I'm gonna go see this movie. I'm gonna want to see from Batman. Maybe tell, give me something I wasn't expecting, but don't fucking try and tell me that what I know about this character is not, you know, is no longer like the reality of the character. Right? Don't give me a, a skinny, um, non-violent Batman. Who's, no, what, what I'm saying is, uh, give me, give me the Batman who's an, a detective, but can do the physical yeah, can do the hand to hand combat what I'm saying is we've had so many different iterations of Batman right like so for instance uh, from the from the from the novel uh, the um, comic book novel uh, 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 The Dark Knight yeah that's what it's called right The Dark Knight yeah oh The Dark Knight Returns is what I meant to say uh, uh, from that we, we got a very sort of brutish Batman he was very super like bulky and he would just like fuck more so Ben Affleck's Batman exactly yeah. um uh, but we also get other times very sort of just sleuthy, skinny, sort of like this is just Batman flying around with the fucking repeller and shit. Um, not Christian Bale's Batman. More uh, no, I I wouldn't even say Christian because Christian Bale's Batman was pretty. He was with the shits as far as like you know combat. I don't. I 
if you're going to give me a different Batman, okay, give me something I haven't seen on screen before or something that's different from the current or the latest iterations that we got. So from Christian Bale's Batman, we got somebody who may not have been that big as you, as you say, okay, fine. I'll, I'll grant you that. But then also super well-trained, you know, and, and was just looking for fights. Like, you know, he would fuck Bane up, you know? Um, although, you know, uh, what's his name is, isn't uh, Henry, uh, uh, what's his name? Henry the Cavill. Bane. No, no, the um, Bane. Uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I'm sorry. Uh, wasn't he wasn't that big, but they made him look that big. But anyways, yeah, uh, yeah you shoot, you, you shoot <laughs> low angle. You, I mean, nah, Tom Hardy got jacked. No, no, for that he, role, he, he, for he sure. got Diesel. But, but in also, real life, Tom Hardy is not a big guy. Five foot two. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, okay. So we got all that. Okay, give me something I haven't. What like? What's the use of rebooting this franchise if you're literally just going to do that same thing that you did with Christian Bale yeah. that you that you try to do with Ben Affleck? So I'll give you there's that. No, right? There's no reason to do any of that. Look, give me something out of like a more detective Batman that I just haven't seen before. Like where he's not trying to overpower people; he's simply just trying to outsmart them. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that because like there are three different versions of Batman. Right? There's um, Bruce Wayne who assumes the Batman role, right? Which was, I think, what we got from Christian Bale, right? And then there's Batman, who's disguised as Bruce Wayne, which is what we got from uh, uh, Ben Affleck. He was more Batman than he was Bruce Wayne, right? So I think, and, and then the third Batman is the Batman who's truly a detective, right? That's who he really is. He just happens to be, you know, Bruce Wayne, billionaire, right? And he uses the Batman uh, costume as a way to protect his Bruce Wayne identity, protect who he is, um, fight crime, but in this like superhero kind of way. So I, I would say the other way around. I, I would say he uses Bruce Wayne as protection for Batman. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, that I think it's a good way. Either way, he's using either Bruce Wayne or Batman to protect himself, but in order to be the detective that he wants to be. Because either way, that's who he wants to be. And I think that's what this Robert Pattinson story is going to tell. It's going to tell Detective Batman, right? Yeah. Now, Detective Batman is going to have to throw hands with somebody, he is. right? Yeah. Um, I, I want to be, you got to kind of sell that so, to me a so, little bit. So I think that's what I'm saying is, is like, I don't want it to just be him trying to overpower people. I want it to be, I want to see neat shit where it's just like, the way he beats people isn't by trying to like just simply pummel them to death. Yeah. But is more about just outsmarting them. So maybe he doesn't like just throw hands with somebody. Maybe if he's fighting it like a bigger dude or whatever, maybe he just does something. So for instance, what was I, I was watching something. Oh, uh, so I'm, I'm now getting into watching dragon ball super. Uh, I, I started it from the beginning and, um, uh, um, one of the things is, uh, uh, Vegeta, it gets highlighted very sort of early in Dragon Ball Super and even in Dragon Ball Z. I think at the end with Maj the Majin Buu series, you see that uh, Vegeta isn't as strong clearly as Goku, but I think he's actually a smarter fighter than Goku. Yeah. Goku's just strong. Like he and, and Goku's smart to his to his credit. He's, he's a smart dude because Vegeta's a trained warrior. But he's, right? he, Vegeta's a trained warrior. So if he can't outright beat you with power, he's going to beat you by outsmarting you um and that's one thing that i think is highlighted in dragon ball super and so they they would do things that was like smart with vegeta like where he didn't try he doesn't try at least early on in the series he's not trying to beat because he can't beat certain people like just head up so he, he then outsmarts them which 
I find much more engaging than you're just, you're just stronger than any other person because that's not really an engaging fight when you just pummel somebody to death but what if somebody's stronger than you what the fuck are you gonna do right uh and i and i think that this goes to where i'm at in terms of like right now again like i'm getting back into chess and i'm trying to like figure out like strategies and shit like that it's just like i just find that so like intriguing of like okay if i can't just outright beat you how the fuck do i win this game like and in like the NFL, right? Like we're going to go watch, you know, the, you know, some games later on today. No, you're not. You're going to, you're going to uh, put ornaments on yeah, the tree. Yeah. Put ornaments on the tree slash watch football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a big screen. It'll, <laughs> it'll be on. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, in the NFL, all these dudes are big as fuck, you know, and all of them are so fucking fast and just everybody's kind of on the same level. So what do you do? The, 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 the prize goes to uh, who, who year after year is always there in the fucking conversation. Tom Brady or more broadly speaking, the Patriots. The reason why they're there every year isn't because they were bigger, faster, stronger than any other team. It's because they just simply outsmart other teams. Yeah. And the NFL is a, is a, is a machine, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. sure rigged to a so, certain degree, but yeah, I think that uh, Christian Bale's Batman in dark Knight rise um, is kind of a, an example of what you're talking no, about. It, right? No, it's not. So he was faced with his most, uh, well, I think the Joker is, all in all, Batman's uh, most uh, prominent adversary. Sure. In the Joker, he's not some big guy who you know is is known but for. That's when he combat. had the most fucking difficult. Yeah. When he like he even the Joker it, is he even said it right in the Dark Knight, um, where he he's beating the shit out of the Joker and he's trying to get this information. He's like, you have nothing to threaten me with. Like yeah. you, all those muscles, all those pushups and never you, start with the head. So that was one of the most intriguing parts of the movie. Cause at that moment, if you're as the audience watching the film, you're like, fuck, he yeah. can't just beat the shit out of the Joker and get the information. What does he do? Yeah. The time is ticking and he can't do what he's done literally with everybody else. Like even early in the film, you see him throw the dude over the, the thing and break his legs. And that's how he got the information out of him that he was yeah. seeking. But now he's beating the shit out of the Joker. Joker's like, I don't care about all the fucking punches, all the whatever. You need to outsmart me. And he didn't. He lost. Right. Rachel dies. Uh, Harvey Dunn gets his face half blown off. Um, that was the most intriguing part of the film. But when you talk about the Dark Knight Rises, he doesn't. He just for he just recovers so, and then comes back and he beats Bane. To me, I've always had a problem with that because it's like, what the fuck's actually changed in this scenario? Nothing's so, actually changed. So here's what, you know, again, so we're going to go from the Joker, right, to uh, the Bane. Uh, the Bane. <laughs> to, to Bane <laughs> as the, you know, the, the prominent villain, right? So sure. with Joker, he had like an intellectual challenge, right? Here's a criminal who is very... Uh, intentional, who's tactical, who's thoughtful, who is trying to outsmart me, and this person is actually a smart villain, right? To Bane, where uh, Bane was also very, um, I think he was a tactician. He, he, he was strategic, yeah. right? Um, but at the end of the day, if you're in in a room with Bane, you know th- there's not much you can do other than fight the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what did Bane say where he was like, you know, theatricality and deception, you know, they're all like great tricks or whatever. But, you know, for a trained tactician or strategist like me, that's only going to go so far mm-hmm. that he beat the shit out of Batman. Right. Yeah. So like for me, that's where I'm going to need. I'm I'm happy to see the Robert Pattinson, the, the detective Batman. Mm-hmm. But 
knowing the Batman villains as well as we do. And in this movie, as far as I understand, we're not going to get just one main villain. We're going to get several. Mm-hmm. So in this feeling, I think it's going to, uh, this film, I think is going to be the Riddler. Uh, I think it's going to be Scarecrow, and I think it's going to be... I don't be think Scarecrow. I think it's just uh, Riddler, at least what I've heard Riddler, so far, Penguin, Penguin, and Catwoman. And Catwoman. Yeah. So we're going to get three villains, all of them who have different skill, right? Now, none of them are known for, you know, hand-to-hand combat, except for Catwoman. Um, but there's going to come a time when he's going to need to be able to sell, you know, the, the, the that hand-to-hand combat aspect of Batman, who sure. is... A trained Hannah. I mean, he studied under Raz Ghul, right? Yeah, but they uh, are. We had this conversation last week where we talked about uh, crime fighting motherfuckers. Was, this was uh, we we talked about we're it while, while we're watching. They're, they're actually criminals. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I understand what you. Mean. Uh, we were talking about Bruce Lee versus Mike Tyson, right? And I I maintain that I think Bruce Lee would win that fight because I I think he's just uh he's just a better fighter overall than Mike Tyson. What whether you think Bruce Lee would win, whether you believe that uh, uh, Mike Tyson would win, okay, wherever you fall on that, great. But I think the main point to it is is that Bruce Lee still stands a shot because although he's a vastly smaller guy, he knows what the fuck he's doing, and that's all. That's the only point that I'm making is is that as long as you know what you're doing, you can have all the muscles in the world, but if you don't know how to fucking use them, um, what is it? Who who says the line? Um, all those, uh, all those muscles, and yet you're not using the one that counts. Uh, mm. who says that? It's it's a line from a movie. Is it a superhero movie? I think so. It's a good line. Ah, damn, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, I forget now, but I'll, I'll probably remember later. But, but yeah, and I I've always loved that line because it's like, yeah, like that's mad true. Like you have so many fighters who just rely on brute strength alone or, or so many scenarios, especially within the comic world that just rely on like, you know, somebody overpowering somebody else. Uh, but what happens when you meet somebody who you can't overpower, you know, yeah. you have to outsmart them. And, so that's, and, that's my, and, and, and I definitely agree with that. But like, even, you know, we, even though we saw Ben Affleck's Batman who got jacked and he was big as fuck and he was fucking dudes up. Right. He, at a certain point still had to use his brain to outsmart, you know, Superman, right? To build the suit, to use the kryptonite, to give himself, uh, you know, a fighting advantage, right? Or, uh, you know, fighting chance. Um, so, all in all, I'm happy to see this detective version of Batman played by Robert Pattinson. But, you know, kid, you, you're going to have to lift some weights. <laughs> yeah. Learn, learn uh, to fight. Long story short, uh, yeah, yeah, lay off that vegan diet. You're going to have to eat some meat. All right. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about. Um, Somebody else who doesn't have a problem apparently getting jacked. Uh, let's Kill talk Monger. about uh, this Michael B. Jordan. Um, this past week, we 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 got some news that uh, Michael B. was indeed uh, uh, at least talking to um, Warner Brothers about potentially doing a Superman film, which uh, is interesting to say the very least. Um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, let me get your quick thoughts before, just just on the idea of Michael B. playing. Yeah, so I don't think it has been confirmed that Henry Cavill is stepping no, down. that's from, another aspect of the story, yeah. yeah. So like, what we could have here ultimately is something what we saw with, uh, something like what we saw with 007, right? Whereas there's stories and rumors of, um, you know, an actor stepping down from a particular character like... Um, 
uh, who plays uh, 007? Craig, uh, Daniel, uh, Craig, Daniel Craig. Uh, there were reports and rumors of him stepping down from 007. Ultimately, he um, reprised the role for this last movie. So, you know, we could see Henry Cavill play Superman in the next movie. Um, but we do know that Michael B. Jordan has had an official meeting with the uh, executives at Warner Brothers uh, to talk about the possibility of him playing Superman. Right now, Michael B. Jordan is the fan favorite. Um, I think there's a lot of really positive buzz around him playing the next Superman. Yeah. Um, I think from a business perspective, mm-hmm. right, if Warner Brothers were to do this, well, I mean, let's be real. A lot of white people are going to be upset, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, white people will... Co- and you know what? I, I found, found this hilarious uh, because... It, I think for anybody, and, and you know me, dude, like uh, when we talk about race and things like that, I usually come down the line of like, I'm not going to assume that people like are racist or uh, typically speaking, right? Like I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, like when we talked about the Julia Roberts thing, yeah. although clearly that guy in one shape or another was definitely racist. Yeah. Uh, however you want to say it, whether you think it was a joke, whether you think it was being serious, clearly that dude was racist. But um but I, I try to get people the benefit of the doubt, right? It's interesting the reaction to this because it's like, what the fuck about Superman is quote unquote white? Yeah, he's an alien. He's an alien from another from planet, another from fucking planet, 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 right? Like nothing about him is based solely off of his skin color. Yeah, you can make fucking Superman green, although. The idea is he's assimilating into our society relatively seamlessly in terms of like just if that's why he's able to adopt the um, persona of Clark Kent is because uh, he looks like he's human. Yeah. Um, So it's just very fucking interesting hearing the arguments. It's just, oh, historically, he's always been white. Yeah, sure. All right. Right. Yeah, but like, we all we all know history is often rewritten, right? <laughs> so you don't come at me with the historical angle, right? Yeah. If you if we're gonna talk about the character, you know, if I were if I were having a debate with anybody who are trying to defend uh, maintaining Superman's whiteness, right? Yeah. My argument would be: all right, divorce yourself from his skin color, mm-hmm. right? Focus on the story. Where is he from? Is that uh, you know? If, if we're calling him an alien from another planet, then we have to divorce ourselves from him being black or white or Asian, right? Yeah. He's an alien from another planet who comes to Earth, who's founded by, you know, the Kent family who lives on the farm in uh, Kansas. Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. That family does not have to be a white family. That mm-hmm. family does not have to be a black family, Asian family. It could be a family of any color, right? The story can still... Superman's entire story can still be the exact same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Regardless of his skin I'll, color. I'll, I'll take it even a step further. It doesn't, like, so we could get to Michael B. Jordan, and he could still be raised by Martha uh, Martha and Jonathan Kent, and yeah. they can still be white. They like, can still be white. I literally things. don't understand what the, yeah. <laughs> what the objection to is, other than, oh, historically. Now, but that points to a, a very, a, like, a, a higher sort of um, issue is... I think it would be amazing to see Michael B. Jordan as Superman for the sake of like, again, and I used to historically say like, ah, this doesn't really matter, especially to me. Like it doesn't matter. But dude, what that what would that do for a generation of 
you know, kids, uh, but more, I guess, specifically black kids, if they see this person black with the skin bad. color that they have as the most powerful superhero of them all. Yeah. The most iconic superhero of them all. But what's what's crazy is, is that white people, especially white dudes, take that for granted. Meaning yeah. that, oh, we've always Yeah, like Superman. No, he's, Superman. he's he's always, a white guy, right? Yeah, the most powerful and and, and what they're thinking about is, is white. well like no, he's white. I'm used to him being white and you know, I, I want to be able to show this white Superman to my kids, right? Yeah. Um what they're not thinking about is the fact that there's an entire um you know, there are many other races of people who don't have the privilege of being able to constantly see these um you know superheroes who look like them and who have the same skin color who have the same hair texture as them on screen right so you know we've had 60 years of white superman right if you're going to bring in a superman of a different ethnicity right i think what <laughs> let's try that one time. ethnicity <laughs> yeah. I, I did fuck that up yeah, yeah. i said ethnicity <laughs> yeah. um if you're gonna bring uh, a superman of a different ethnicity yeah right I think what needs to be the focus here is the quality of the story, right? The, um, uh, the the quality of the character, and also bring in a great actor who can pull this off, right? No, 100%. and and if I had to choose, just off the whim, who's the better actor, Henry Cavill or um, Michael B. Jordan? Well, Michael B. Jordan, because I've seen him in a more dynamic range of roles. Sure. No, there's just simply no doubt about that. Um, uh, but I think what it comes down to is is that uh it's a, it's about assumption right like so for instance um you know seeing michael b as kal-el as the last son of krypton again like it, it's it's like a it's not even a, like a luxury at this point it's just like oh like it, it, the default right like we 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 we've seen you know white superman after white superman after white superman right and Again, I I don't genu- genuinely have like an issue with seeing that, but it's when you have an issue with seeing a black dude as Superman that I have to start questioning. Well, yeah. why do you feel that way? If like I can I accept a white Superman. Yeah. After sixty years or seventy years, how long this character? I think Superman might even be like over. No, yeah, he's been around since like the what the forties, fifties, somewhere around there. Superman is at least seventy years old, right? Sure. If I can accept that for seventy years, why is it so? difficult for you know the the people who are against it to even accept the idea of michael b jordan taking the meeting i i i, I genuinely don't know like at that outside point, of outside of i think you might have to yeah. look to like you might have to look a little deeper inside because it's not like he's, i have an issue with this it's not like he's a bad actor right no. so let, let's take that and, the table. And we you know he's the most contracist but if you watch fruit vale station you'll be like look i may be racist and i may call this dude a nigger but yeah this guy was good, right? Choked up. Uh, no, if, if you're a white guy, there's no way you watched Fruitvale Station and didn't take the side of the cop. Like, well, he reached for his gun. Like, no, he didn't. But he he was all well acted, though. Well yeah. acted was that rule. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's no way you 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 argue because we know he's a good actor. Yeah, we know that he can, uh, from an acting perspective, he can you deliver know, the, the test. He can sure. deliver. Mm-hmm. We know that from you know, physical perspective, we don't, we don't need to CGI no, too much. You don't even need to suit. Cause yeah. I, I'm sure with Henry Cavill, they padded that bad boy. Like, nah, no, no, no. Henry Cavill, yeah, he was fucking he was jacked. Yoked. He was yeah. yoked up. He's jacked. But, but still, in you, real life, you, you, you know, you don't like from, from Creed one and then also Creed two. Yeah. You know, yeah, we don't, we, we, we know, don't need to pad that. Yeah, at all, you know, he can, he, he's in the gym. He, yeah. he can fit the bill. Right. Yeah. Um, so what it really comes down to is like, 
whether or not you're willing to accept the character. Sure. And if you're not willing to accept it, why not? Similar, I brought up 007 for a reason, right? A lot of people were against Idris Elba playing that role because they're like, well, you know, 007, he's white. Well, right? that now, I, I kind of got a little more. Like, I, 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 I still don't agree, meaning that yeah. like I still think that Idris will make a fantastic fucking Bond. Yeah. In fact, maybe the best Bond we've gotten so far. But I can at least understand a little bit more, meaning that from the region that Bond technically is from, uh, from uh, from his uh in terms of like his relationships like with his parents like if you look back at the history of bond in terms of like how he grew up and yada yada it's like, it's hard to imagine that that was a black dude because like that just wasn't common at that point in history yeah but see here's the thing james bond is an alias 007 is his agent we've gotten number. To this argument yeah. before we're not going to rehash <laughs> i'm going to give you a quick synopsis so james bond is not like a real character or a real person he's an alias we've, we've so talked about this here. anyone can adopt that alias 007 is just his agent number there's a 001 there's a 002 3 4 5 no, 6 7 we talked 8 about, right we, we talked about that but where we our point of disagreement is is that thinking that james bond as in the actual name forget divorced of 007 is just an alias uh James Bond, I believe, was is an actual is the actual person um, who has an actual backstory in history. So, for instance, in Skyfall, we got uh, we got to see a lot of that in terms of his like we went back to the the house he grew up in. Yeah, we got to hear about his father, yada yada. So, to but me, his real name knows, wasn't James Bond. Did they ever say that at any point in the movie? Yes, James Bond is the alias. They said that in Skyfall. Yes, in Skyfall. When? At what point? Uh, when M remember like when they were going they were like rediscovering his past and his history where he came from he was not born James Bond nobody when, is born specifically James Bond. when in the movie did they actually say that I don't have the movie right in front of me no what I'm saying script. is that that is not a thing they no it is I, I literally just watched the movie bro, like two weeks ago so James Bond is the we're alias not argue about this. given Fair enough. to Fair the enough. agent okay. by MI6 okay he is not a person okay he's an alias sure 007 is his agent number okay anyone who assumes the position of 007 mm-hmm. adopts the alias of james bond okay well we'll actually see in this movie because there actually is another 007 and i think it's not Letitia, like a, right? a former 007 right no no no. like the oh wait, you know there, there's a new 007 yeah the, the black woman i forget so her we'll, name at, at the moment so we'll see if your theory actually holds true because if i even if i just looked at the imb uh, imdb right now guarantee you i won't see dub, uh james bond next to her name well no that wouldn't make sense why would her name be james bond so again james bond you it, just said so james bond is the alias right you just said james bond is the alias associated with a 007 no 007 is the agent number james bond is the alias used by mi6 so just because you are 007 again the agent number but does that does not is, mean you have to 007, be james bond 007 is mi6 like what do you why would they have two separate things for the same person so uh fuck how do i explain this to you it's right. not explainable because it doesn't make sense if you if, we're, if you, we're getting really sidetracked. We're getting really sidetracked. But if you are uh, an agent for MI6, right, mm-hmm. and you assume the 007 position, right, that like is like an operational program, mm-hmm. right, in MI6, mm-hmm. you are now in the 007 operation. Sure. Um, you have to then take on an alias because you can't use your real name. Mm-hmm. Historically, under the 007 operation, that agent has been known as James Bond. 
right? If you're going to replace that 007 agent with a female, then you clearly cannot use the James Bond alias. You have to use another alias. But that's why I'm asking, like, well, why, just logically speaking, why would you do that if you know you're going to run into the very easy problem of, okay, if you replace 007 with a woman, now you can't even use that same alias that you've used for years that you've associated with the 007 but the uh, alias doesn't. The alias is just a name. It's just what you put on the person's passport, their but that's, credit card. Okay, but but again, and I and I hate the fact that I'm even in this argument with you. But like, it, I just watched Skyfall two weeks ago, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. One of, actually one of my favorite movies. It's, 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 it's my Javier favorite. Javier Bardem is incredible. Incredible. Uh, my favorite Bond by far. It's the only one I can watch like through and through. Uh, no matter what, like if I watch some other, like if I watch like Doctor No, I just have to be in the state of mind to like want to watch Doctor No. I can't just watch it off the cuff. Skyfall, I can watch whenever, when, uh, however, whenever. Just watched it. There was not even a stitch. I promise. I promise you. I'm not bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. I promise you. There's not a stitch of hint that James Bond isn't his name. So. I'll, in, in, in fact, in fact, there. You know no, what? No, here's no, what I'm gonna no, do no, for no. you. No, no, no. no, no, no I'm gonna listen. watch that movie no, no. tonight. You should. Here's. And here's, I even take it a step further. There's a dude there. Uh, I forget that he's the groundskeeper or whatever. And he he literally calls him, James, you're back. Old boy. Like, he, the dude who knew him when he was a kid is calling him James and knows his father, who was something Bond. Um, and yeah, I wasn't he they, recruited at like I, a young and I, and, I, and I think that they even a visited a, a gravestone for his father. Or we saw like a, a snippet of a gravestone for his father that actually had Bond on the fucking gravestone. So he's like, what? You, I don't understand what yeah, you're going to change someone's identity. You oh have to my change God, their Jesus. past. Okay, whatever. Right? All right. Okay, well, let's, let's finish up this conversation. I'm going to watch this movie tonight for you, and because it's a fucking great movie. You so should. I have no problem watching it. You should. Um, and then report back what, what would you We'll find? report back. All right. Uh, I'll so report back. To tie up this whole thing with Michael B. Jordan as Superman. Uh, so we have an article from Collider, and I think they quote a Variety article. It's Articles are like three things removed. It's always like, I'm reading an article that's quoting another article that's quoting another. It's like, it's very strange. Uh, according to Variety, the studio is trying to find a way to make Superman relevant to modern audiences uh, and have spoken with J.J. Abrams, which isn't surprising since Bad Robot recently signed a massive first look deal with Warner Brothers. Uh, what's more surprising is that there uh, there was a meeting with Michael B. Uh, the hang up there, as Variety reports, is that James or is that Jordan um, isn't ready to commit to uh, to taking on the project since filming doesn't seem like likely to happen for several years. And he has a full dance uh, dance card of projects. Insiders think that the new uh, Superman film is likely to hit screens before 2023, given that there's no script and no director attached. Um, and this is all still with the backdrop of Henry Cavill has even publicly stated, Hey, my nigga ain't done yet. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't say nigga. Like I, I don't yeah, want to get yeah, Henry Cavill in trouble. <laughs> um, but, um, if he did, who would fight him? Uh, not many, not many. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to take a punch from him. Yeah. yeah. That, that Superman to, punch. We have to get like Deontay Wilder. Or like that. <laughs> uh, although I don't know. He doesn't look like he's like the fighting type. He looks jacked. Deontay Wilder? No, no, no. Uh, Henry oh, Henry Cavill. Cavill? He doesn't look like he's a fighting type. He no, no, no. Like he's not really throwing. Yeah. He's not in the streets throwing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, anyways, um, so I think this is very interesting, right? That that Michael B is the person not committing to it because they won't be filming for a while. I think the only reason why I think you wouldn't, especially if you go take a meeting about it, I'm sure you're taking meetings about all sorts of shit. This being one of them, but. One of the main reasons why I think you you probably wouldn't try to attach your name to this type of project is because it really does depend on who's directing. 
If there's no yeah. director attached yet, if Tim Burton walks through the door and is like, hey, let's make a Superman movie. I simply won't make the movie. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to be in that. I'm like, out. And then as an actor, if you commit to a movie and then you pull out because there's a director involved, it's just not like a good look. Yeah. Um, so you don't attach yourself to the project until you know who's directing it, who's producing it. Um, then you're like, okay, you know, who's writing it? Uh, I'm willing to attach yeah, my name if, to If what they pitch to you is bullshit, or, or and, you know, and I think it... From, I don't know if it was in this article or some article, but I, I believe he pitched the idea to them of what it could be. Um, and and if that's the case, that's even more curious that he's not trying to commit. Because if I come to you with an idea, I say, hey, this is a great idea. And you're like, hey, all right, cool. Like, let's let's start working on it. Let's, let's put that into motion. And I'm like, ah, let's hold off for a little bit. No, that's smart. <laughs> is it? Here's my idea. Yeah. Bring it to life. If I like what you guys have put together, why would I bring it to you? Then if you're I'll, not... <laughs> no, th- that's what that's what cr- uh, great creators do, right? Like <laughs> Steve Jobs was like, "Hey, I've got an idea, right? Apple Music. Mm. Figure out how we can get this done, and then you know, when you guys put some thought around it, come back and you know, if it's if it's a thing, then I'll sign off on it, right? Mm. You, I mean, great creators, right? Never are." focus too much on like the details and the process and how it gets that's done. hyperbole what do you mean great creators never are of course there uh, are some creators that are <laughs> that's all they visionaries visionaries right focus okay. more big picture like at the end of the day what will this thing look like and then you bring people around you to focus on like the details of how do we get from this vision to reality right so maybe michael b jordan's like hey what if i played the next superman and like this is what the possible stories that we can tell blah 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 and then the studio is then going to find a director writers producers to maybe bring that to life but if i'm michael b jordan i'm gonna here i had this idea can we bring this to life yeah i I think it's very interesting right like uh with any sort of superman movie i don't even care if it's michael b or anybody to play next they've got to do something different we've got to get something different than what we have gotten i I feel like I have a like a, a great grasp on like what you can do with the Superman character now. It's going to be because we've gotten the same Superman for so long, and he has a specific like he's the Boy Scout is is sort of like his nickname. Um, he has a very specific image, so I think that's what like pigeonholes people into only doing one specific type of story. But I think the reason why the the way you make Superman interesting is to for one not make him so fucking strong right like they made him impenetrable in you know this whole man of steel series with uh man of steel uh batman versus superman the superman story in general to me is just fucking insane how strong they've made yeah, this character he, he he's he's absolutely ridiculously strong um, I think you got to knock him down at least a peg or two you got to give him like don't like he's not in I mean if you really look at the uh who are the strongest heroes in the dc universe in the marvel universe right realistically superman is not the top motherfucker but if you look at the comic books and the history of the character he is the strongest character across both universes no fucking way yeah um but I think the reason the reason why people can identify with the Spider-Man, the reason why people can now identify with the Captain America, you're always seeing Cap bleed. You know, no matter what fight he's in, whether he's fighting the Winter Soldier or whether he's fighting Thanos or whatever, yeah. you see him. He's he's going to bleed. 
uh, and he's going to not like he's going to get tired. He's going to get like in in Man of Steel. At no point that I really was like, oh, he's in danger of losing to Zod. No, I was just like, yeah, yeah he's going to win this. Like, and and mind you, Zod was from the same planet. Yeah, Zod was. Uh, he was. He was a warrior. He was a trained. Yeah warrior right who had all the same powers as superman and yet that fight was just like superman was not a trained fighter he was just strong right yeah so you so ideally or not ideally but realistically zod had everything that superman had but he was more of a he was a warrior he was a trained fighter he should have beat superman in the man of steel but you know we just we're just gonna give superman more speed and he's stronger and he's able to beat this warrior yeah no, it's not real um but anyways like I, i'm saying all that to say like yeah you have to make him flawed in every way like physically as well as you know uh, uh personality wise right he can't just be this boy scout who's always doing the right thing who's always saying the right thing and um because that's not really like a personality i think our personalities are dictated by both the combination of our uh, good traits as well as bad traits, right? Like, and and in all of our characters, that's what we find, right? So, like for instance, um, uh, even uh, even with like a Captain America character, the the biggest, at least from this iteration that we got with Chris Evans, the biggest and the most intriguing thing, it didn't really get interesting when we saw the first Captain America. It was like, eh, it was cool. Um, and you could blame that on like the style choice of for the movie or, or whatever the case is. But also, I think the reason why the Winter Soldier was so that that film was so unique and interesting was because you you got to peer into his ideology in terms of now he's looking at the government like, whoa, like, wh- where do I actually stand on this? Like, I yeah. don't know if I'm just like, you know, gung ho, uh, go country. Um, now I have to now I realize I'm a part of this system that's yeah. fucked up. You, you see know? him make a choice where he's like, you know, I'm all for protecting, you know, America and this country. But like my 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 family, my friends, the people I care about, like I, I put that over the government's uh or, you know, or just or just initiatives or, or you know whatever bucky is more important to me than uh doing whatever mission you think is important to you right well, th- well then you the, see him make that departure the whole idea of uh of uh you know having having just blind faith in a system yeah right and i think that that's what calls into that's what's called into question with um with uh, the Winter Soldier, that's why it's such a fucking interesting and, and, and different film, as well as then you carry that over to Civil War, right? Yeah, where they ask him uh, to sign the Geneva Accords, and he's like, "No, like, no I can't I'm do not it." Doing you know, yeah. um, the best hands are my own. Exactly, but, but, and, and, that and, and that's not a right or wrong thing. Meaning that there are pluses both uh, uh, Tony as well as Cap uh, or uh, uh, Steve in that in, in that case, like both of them had a point. To yeah. what they were saying, right? Neither was really wrong. You know, there's both positives and negatives to both of the things that they're saying. It's it's about that conflict. And yeah, that, and that's, that's where the cross is, right? But with Superman, you never really get that. He's always just like, oh, I'm just going to do the right thing, but never really questioning like what that right thing is. That it's just assumed, oh, yeah. Superman's just going to swoop in and save the day from the bad guys, you know? And that's I think, really I think what a lot of people are worried stories. about is like, if you, get, if you do get a black Superman and Michael B. Jordan, is he going to have like a black female love interest, right? Oh, it's like what, Lois Lane going to be then black. Yeah. Uh, that can Lois get a little hairy. Lane I'm not going to lie. Because then if you, depending on where you, so for instance, if you turn Lois black then, then it's like, oh, 
now we just gotta now we're just doing everything right like uh, yeah. everybody's black now you know and then if you if you leave her white then it's oh my you're just gonna piss off every mm. black woman yeah. in America <laughs> yeah, you, gotta get, you gotta get like Zoe Kravitz to, <laughs> to play nice to confuse yes. everybody <laughs> fuck uh, she's light skinned but I, I, I guess right yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna ask you to do one thing though and, and we're gonna take a quick break here for a second pause this okay bye And we're back. Okay. So, uh, so anyways, we have already adjudicated that uh, that an entire Michael B. Jordan thing uh, as, as soups. Uh, I don't think either of us have really uh, any sort of problem with him playing the character clearly. Uh, and I think he'd, in fact, be a very great Superman. Um, but it's interesting that he is kind of taking the you know foot off the, uh, the, the gas pedal, so to speak, in uh, playing the character. Uh who knows exactly what he's waiting for? Maybe he really is just that fucking busy where he can't commit, but who knows? All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, um, let's talk about uh, this uh, New York Times article uh, that was written back in uh, or just last week uh, uh, that they talk about the uh, not just the best films, although they do have their own individual sort of favorite films of the decade, uh, but the uh, what I think maybe more relevant to us all is the most influential right so they're not saying that by their own uh you know by, by their own sort of like uh, understanding like is this the best film or not um they're talking about what is the most influential which i think is a more objective sort of question um so and that is because yeah there are a lot of films that we love i mean my list of best films is going to be different than my list of influential films, right? Because yeah. best is so focused on your opinion of what is good and what's bad. Yeah, it's very subjective. Yeah. Influence is something you have to kind of remove your personal opinion thing. from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a film that I love, Blade, uh, the first Blade movie was one of my one of my favorite films, right? Yeah. It's like one I think is one of my I would put that on my best films list. Is that highly influential? Actually, I'd have the objective. Uh, I think it was I mean, sure. yeah. extremely That movie may have, you know, I think it said that that movie has kind of given way to uh, the Marvel, the MCU that we have now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, that's just a small example of how you may be able to depart best from influence, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this New York Times list, it, again, it focuses on the 10 most influential films of the decade uh, and 20 other um favorites from the uh the two the, the writers authors, yeah. who uh wrote this article yeah um so let, let's start it off with uh the, the first one that they list uh american sniper that which came out in 2014 uh i think it really was an influential film film for a number of different reasons um but i would say to me i would put this more in a controversial film than a influential right um you could argue that this is uh you know because uh, Prior to this, we got like Zero Dark Thirty, uh, right? That came out before Sniper, American Sniper. I do believe. Um, or you got the Hurt Locker, those, yeah. those type of things. Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty. Um, or were those in the 2000s versus the 2010s? And I would like to say Hurt Locker maybe because Hurt yeah, Locker came around the same time as Avatar. I was, uh, yeah, I think that was that. Uh, yeah. 2009. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say Zero Dark Thirty was uh, this decade. This decade. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, so... so uh, 
I, I think with American Sniper, you get uh, a really sort of like an insight insight into one of the most uh, deadly Americans uh, or snipers in in history. Um, and uh, but this kind of was controversial because depending on where you sit on the political spectrum, yeah, you might feel a type of way about this actual film. For instance, if you're pro gun, you're all like, "Holy fuck, this dude's a fucking hero! I fucking love this guy." If you're you know anti gun, you're like, "This is the worst movie ever yeah. made." This guy <laughs> killed like this guy has like how many kills did he have? Like yeah. seventy or something like that. Yeah, it's a murdering son of a bitch. Exactly. So. I guess in that way, yeah, they're right. It is yeah. influential in, in that way that it was, uh, it, 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 it sparked conversation yeah. one way or another. So not only did it give way to, I think, um, a lot of films to follow it, which like follow this perspective of like, uh, what was that movie with, um, with Mark Wahlberg? Uh, uh fuck, uh, damn it. Where it was like him and his, uh, his, the last, uh, the last, Survivor, Lone Survivor, Lone Survivor, yeah. right? And then we had the movie with um, Chris Hemsworth, uh, where it's like about the army soldiers who like eventually went on, uh, who who are on horseback. Um, I don't, I don't remember that what that is. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Give me one second. So, uh, fuck, I should know the name of this movie. Uh, 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 nope. Twelve Strong. Okay, I don't remember that one, but. Yeah, so it was, it was this movie about like twelve strong. Tells the story of like the special forces team who deployed into Afghanistan on nine eleven, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know they uh, were fighting Taliban, and they eventually had to use like they they were fucking on horseback. <laughs> right? It's the story of these twelve. That soldiers. sounded like you said they were fucking on horseback. Oh, maybe, maybe they did. Uh, days in the days in the desert. Logistically, that might be moment. an issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, Lone Soldier, twelve, uh, uh, twelve strong, and all these movies that followed American Sniper. So it was influential in, in that way of the films to follow. Sure. But it was also influential in, in like it started a lot of conversation around. Yeah. And. and- gun reform and and yeah you know, it was very pro-military right well yeah and it, it gave you some insight into like what uh so for instance i think it was the i think it was the iraq war that uh this guy chris kyle um or navy seal chris kyle uh was uh was uh, that he that he was in um that he sort of made his name for himself um and but it got you like it, it provided some sort of deeper insight into like the the mind frame um from you know uh, from those type of people you know, yeah. who, who would go through this. Cause he, there were definitely times in the movie where you're like, Oh shit. Like he's dealing with some pretty, and how could you not? Right. Like, uh, and I think it's a pretty common thing, right? Like to know, like you, you get movies like Jarhead where you get, get you get this sort of inside, yeah. very different film. Which then Jarhead, was but. influential in a way of that. It, it opened up the conversation to talk about like mental health in the military, right? Absolutely, these, yeah. these American heroes that we, you know, we love them and we cheer them for their valor and in, in, in battle and in war. Right. And then when yeah. they come home, we don't even care about their, like what they're experiencing mentally, uh, from what they you know, have to deal with it at war. So now I felt like after this movie, if I was in the military, if I was a soldier, you'd probably be more comfortable talking about your mental health, right? Because it's not seen anymore as like, you know, 
oh, you're weak if you're talking about being depressed. I still think that there's depressed. a lot of work to do, but I mean, yeah, yeah there's I, a lot I of work to do. But to start saying. that conversation, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, then the next movie that they uh, list is uh, the uh, 2012's The Avengers. Uh, clearly, one of the most influential films of the the decade for just a number of reasons, but it's the culmination of what four or five movies prior to that, in the Iron Man one and two, as well as uh, the first uh, uh, the Captain America film, Thor, and the 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 lesser to a lesser extent Hulk. Uh, or the um, the Incredible Hulk, which yeah. uh, started uh, Edward Norton, um, uh, but this this film was the culmination of the, all that, and then it was the cement uh, uh, it cemented uh, Marvel as a mainstay in Hollywood. But then even more than that, it 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 uh, propelled uh, just a, an amazing assort. Because if this film would have failed. We wouldn't have gotten the Marvel Universe as we yeah. know it today. Clearly, absolutely. Um, so uh, it, it 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 solidified what was started with that first Iron Man film, and maybe you can even argue the Incredible Hulk film. Um, but it cemented that you know that that sort of grasp that Marvel sort of had on uh, on this sort of shared universe uh, situation uh, that DC tried to replicate to no avail yeah i mean <laughs> and, and and that's how influential it was right dc yeah. saw it and they're like shit we've got to emulate this we've got to get batman we got to get wonder woman we got to get superman cyborg flash we've got to put them all in a movie and see if we can do what they did yeah right uh it didn't work out too well it didn't work it didn't work um but that's how influential it was right yeah. and what happens when you see a lot of these independent characters iron man um uh captain america hulk Right, you see all these independent characters do well in their movies. It's kind of scary to bring them all together because it's like, uh, is is this going to take away from any of those other films? Is this going to cannibalize any of those other films? And what we saw here with the Avengers, is it did not. It just propelled them into greater success, bigger stories. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it led to everything we have now from the MCU and what's to come. And yeah. what, what's coming? Like twenty more movies. Yeah, yeah. And and it and it cemented this whole idea of like, um, or at least it, it lent to this whole idea of like, you know, now regularly films. These films are grossing like well over a billion dollars, and it's just like, oh yeah, no, that's that's yeah, not a big it's thing. not a benchmark yeah, anymore. It's, it's like, just like standard. a standard. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. Um, all right. Uh, and then we have uh, Blackfish, which actually I didn't watch, so we won't talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we have uh, 2011's Bridemaids. I think uh, appropriately, this this film gets a lot of people always talk about the film. It gets a lot of credit. It should, because it was. It was the response to the Judd Apatow sort of, uh, you know, you, you have 40-year-old version, then mm-hmm. you have uh, uh, Wedding Crashers, which I don't think Apatow directed, but um, but you have those type of films that were just like these. Yeah, fucking, even super bad, right? These like, you yeah. know, male, young male dominated comedic films, right? And then here comes this fucking gem of bridesmaids that you're like, oh, is this women trying to do exactly what the guys are doing with all these? And then you fucking sit down and you watch and you're like, yes, that they, was the they did it shit and I've ever seen. It was good. It, <laughs> it was yeah. fucking hilarious. You have Kristen Wiig, you have Maya uh, Rudolph, Rudolph uh, you have I keep wanting to say Jenny McCarthy because you said it earlier, but yeah. uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Andy and then uh, Emma um, or uh, Ellie Kemp uh, Kemper, um, uh, uh, some of them from you know things that we've clearly seen be- before with like SNL. Um, you have uh, uh, Kemper who was uh, she has her own Kimmy Schmidt, but more known for The Office, um, and they just it worked. 
perfectly. It was such a great film. Um, weirdly enough, I, I think it was influential, influential in and of itself. But I don't know if it was influential in terms of, I guess maybe influential in terms of continuing their careers. In terms of like everybody who's was a part of that film, pretty much got like an open path to do pretty much anything else that they they wanted to do. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's career has just been continuous since then. Yeah, and Kristen um, Wiig. I mean, Kristen Wiig is yeah, doing this a lot of movie really opened up the door. And for then her. they they ended up doing Ghostbusters together. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so uh, I think it was but, influential in the way that we looked at like female in film and comedy, right? Where it's but like, I don't know if it necessarily changed anything in terms of like I don't I can't tell you what came after Bridesmaids that was like the natural like successor to it and continue that torch. Like so, for instance, we talked about the Avengers, right? That ushered a wave of other films. Yeah, that, you know, it it, it it sort of it shaped those type of things. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else came out outside of bridesmaids that sort of continued like you know judd apatow year after year every couple years he's going to come out with another movie will ferrell every couple years he's going to come out with another movie it's like oh this is like the natural continuation i think maybe this didn't open up the way for like several different films to follow but it showed that you can have a strong entirely female cast right and to have it still be a successful and and have them be the lead character uh in the movie and yep. it'd be very su- successful um and these women don't they don't have to play the funny girlfriend or the funny wife or like the the sister of like the beautiful lead actress right they can be funny they can be charming and they can lead the entire film absolutely uh and then after that we have a frozen uh 2013's frozen uh which actually the sequel to uh, frozen 2 just dropped uh this uh last month Pro. uh <laughs> so i watched uh frozen last thursday with my daughter for the first time and mm-hmm. i you know before it i was like i'd always heard of elsa and anna right and i was like uh, and Kristoff and blah 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 mm-hmm. i was like uh, you know, it sounds like a you know fun, cool Disney movie. It's all the the hype is apparently real. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't seen it, so I saw it last Thursday, and the first Frozen movie was fucking good. Yeah. Right. It was good. You could watch it tonight. You know, uh, adult male, no kids. You can watch it tonight. And you'll still be like, this yeah. Movie for some reason, cool. I wouldn't feel guilty because I feel like everybody no. just talks about those movies, yeah. so and I wouldn't feel like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm watching Frozen by myself and yeah. I come from my own home. And Frozen Two was better. Like, mm, uh, so how was this? Mo- I think this movie just inspired. I mean, you look at an entire generation of kids right now. Um, oh yeah, and, and uh, just even from the soundtrack, right? Like, let it go. Yeah. How many fucking I years that did that last? <laughs> Me and my daughter, when we're driving in the car, she'll like she'll ask for she'll be like, "Daddy, put on the Frozen song," mm. and I'll put on that song, and we'll just have a blast. Like yeah. the music was great, the um, the animation was great, the story was great, and I mean, when you look at how a movie like this inspires like young girls, right? And not even just young girls, like young boy, uh, young girls and young boys to be able to see young women as like equals and, and 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 partners and friends right and not just like the the you know the prince to, or the princess to the prince right or you know the you know the queen who's yeah, rescued yeah, by the, the king. princess to mario right like so for instance like you know I, I was watching something the other day and i saw like something about a, like mario and how like mario's goal is always to, like save princess and it's it's really this antiquated sort of like trope or storyline of yeah. like Mario has to come in in his goofy fucking hat and shit and come and save the princess and it's like 
This is yeah, fucking and tired, it's always dude, the helpless but, princess. Yeah, or the helpless like she can't do anything. Yeah. She's got you know King Koopa who's on her ass, and it's just like ah, this is boring. Like yeah, and in, 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 in Frozen, you know Elsa is clearly she is the leader, the the top motherfucker, yeah. right? Like so, uh, I mean, when you look at how, you know, uh, I mean, other films it may have inspired, sure, but like an entire generation of young children, young yeah. minds, that's who it's influential upon. Uh, and then we get uh, 2017's uh, Get Out, uh, which was clearly <laughs> a highly influential film in that it, for one, uh, it's it introduced us to the individual known as Jordan Peele, right? We know him from um, Key and Peele. Uh, we talked about that a little earlier as far as uh, it's, it, it's reference to um, The Chappelle Show. Um but it and then it gave us sort of this reintroduction to the horror genre, which yeah. I will disagree with because I don't think Get Out nor Us is necessarily horror so much as it's thriller. But that's an argument. Yeah, in of itself. I think Get Out's thriller. I, I do think Us is horror. I it was, there was nothing about in a Us. Way. Sure, I guess I can see what you mean by it's that. It's not slasher, but it's not horror. a. It's not a. Yeah, it's not a horror film, as in like the actual genre. Yeah, like there's a reason. Like a, there's a reason why we call it like it's a social commentary that we can look at as horrific, but there's nothing actually like scary about it. So I, I don't think I can call it a psychological yeah, a lot of thriller. They get stabbed up. No, no, fair enough. But it wasn't scary. Like I, I wasn't really scared anything yeah. during it. Like you went to go see it, and <laughs> you were perfectly fine in the theater. Uh, True. Yeah, that's. I, a good I, I don't do scary movies. Exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, there, there's no doubt that this film was uh, the ushering in of this new wave. We actually just saw the the film Antebellum that that is that is coming out that is in the vein of this sort of social commentary slash, you know, again. I don't know if you can necessarily call that horror so much as like a thriller, but this uh, social commentary slash thriller slash, you know, um, psychological uh, uh, it has a lot of psychological aspects to it. Um, and there's no doubt that after, uh, you know, <laughs> given the current state of where we are, especially here in America, uh, that these social commentaries are both welcomed as well as kind of needed you know and i think yeah. that get out was such a in your face i'm not trying to mince words about what i'm trying to drive across here i'm going to be specific about it yeah uh, you know what this unapologetic is. about yeah, it that's what it is. uh yeah you know, what you know and then you know it was influential in the sense that you know now the the, the term sunken place is is a very common phrase mm-hmm. that's used uh you know um you know in, in our uh zeitgeist as you will yeah um uh, so, uh, so yeah, I gotta give my hat off to J- Jordan Peele. No matter how I might feel about Get Out or Us, there's, there's just no denying its influence. Over yeah, I, I would definitely culture. put that on this list for sure. Absolutely. Um, next game we, uh, the next film we have here on this list is gonna be The Hunger Games: uh, Catching Fire, which is released in 2013. This movie is starring Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss Everdeen. Um, I mean, obviously, Hunger Games was uh, uh, the the book series turned film. Uh, I mean slew of great actors and actresses uh are featured in in these hunger games films catching fire I, to be honest i don't remember this particular like half film of uh, out of because there were three hunger games movies right there was uh there was uh the hunger games it was like the mocking fire and then mocking bird, bird mocking something. i don't know something um uh this was but although what i would say is this was highly influential in terms of it was sort of the height I think of this YA series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you know you had the the Maze Runner, 
Um, I think it was another film you had, uh, not the one with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, but uh, with, um, oh man, what's her name? I know who you're talking about. Uh, was, Shailene uh, Woodley. Yes, it um, was the um, Divergent. Divergent series. Yes. Uh, so you have that too. But uh, Hunger Games was sort of the height of all that, right? It yeah. was the, 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 the Damn, creme de la creme. Movies. Huh? Damn, I hated those movies. Divergent. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Insurgent, I'm not gonna lie. The, the first one, the, the first one was actually pretty good. Uh, the first Divergent, or yeah, the first Divergent. That's what it's called, right? Divergent. Yeah, I think so. The first Divergent movie was actually pretty good. It was okay. Uh, Everything yeah. that followed was, was shit. Yeah, it was. It was, it was pretty hard to stomach. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the Hunger Games seemed like it held it held it pretty well. Um, again, I, I I don't really remember too much uh, from it, but I, I do remember liking that it when I watched dope. it. I love that. It was the yeah. whistle thing. Yeah, and then the. The I volunteer myself for tribute. Yeah, and that become that became that uh, became uh, a uh, cultural uh, thing. Uh, uh, a common thing with a lot of these movies is that it's they start cultural. Yeah, uh, trends. the so, whistle was like you hear that whistle, and you it's know, very specific. You know exactly yeah. where it's from. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so moving on here, we have Moonlight, which uh, was a film from Barry Jenkins, his uh, first sort of like main, uh, his first well known feature film i think he had a feature film before that but um but this is his first one that was like his, his, his coming out party um very 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 influential this film because it dealt with a topic that makes a lot of people especially those in the black community yeah deeply uncomfortable yeah, and, and i think that's where it was most influential right uh, yeah in, in absolutely black community started so many conversations black men being able to uh, be able to talk about homosexuality yeah. to be able to like accept it to be mm-hmm. able to um, you know, come to terms with it. Like, you know, it, it is a real thing. It, mm-hmm. it, it is not something reserved for people outside of the black community. It's very prominent within the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does not, like what we saw in the in the main character um, in uh, Moonlight was, you know, a homosexual black male who is not, you know, the... the, the what you would categorizes like a prototypical yeah, like, the, oh, like this is somebody who's like really effeminate or whatever like no he's like yeah, this the, big the, the elaborate up. and flashy yeah. and and you know the over the top sure. you know gay gay black man right he is not that he's as masculine as you know any guy you would walk past as, as you're walking down the street but mm-hmm. he you know he happened to be homosexual uh this film was it was well written the acting was incredible there was so it, it was hard not to like this movie even if you were uncomfortable with uh the you know the the sexuality of the characters it was hard not to like this movie no but i, I think that was the whole point that's i think that's why it was such an influential film was because it's an undeniable film regardless of how you might feel about any aspect of it which is hard to reconcile as a person yeah. that's exactly what you want a movie to do yeah. you want it to even if you feel uncomfortable with the subject matter you you like you're conflicted because it's like fuck this thing i feel uncomfortable with but i, I identify with this dude like i get him like i I, yeah. I get his motivations like and it forces you to think about things in a different way than you might automatically yeah. think about it in and that's what this film did not to mention it was a simply it was a fucking gorgeous movie like yeah. f- the aesthetics of the movie um were simply like and we got a lot of great movies that year man i remember back in 2016 um that was when i was around the time that i was starting to think about talking about you know uh, starting up the podcast yeah and i just remember looking at like you know the oscar films that year thinking about like what to talk about what to watch yada yada in order for me to have like dialogues i remember we got la la land uh that year Mm -hmm. which was uh from damien chazelle um which was uh, uh you know a great film in and of itself but i remember looking at moonlight like that's just a fucking gorgeous yeah. 
film. Like they, that's he, just a beautiful movie. Yeah. So I mean, the cinematography was great. Oh, uh, I think you yeah. know the, the music in this movie was great. Again, the acting and the casting was phenomenal. One of the things that I think really makes this film intro- influential is like the fact that it forced you to have conversations, right? Yeah. And honest conversations with people. Um, Brokeback Mountain was a movie that like made people have conversations, but it was at a time in which people could still, you can still reserve your 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 personal feelings about the film, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people who would be like, man, I ain't watched no Brokeback Mountain. I'm not watching that gay movie, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. you bring up actually a really good point. But that was it's, doing, it's different than Moonlight. That movie right? came out during a point in time in which like, you know, maybe you can still have those reservations about a movie if it didn't, you know, if you weren't comfortable with it, right? Yeah. Whereas now we're, you know, t- you know, we're, we're a bit further ahead, right? And a movie like Moonlight comes out where it's like, no, this movie is just good, right? And if you, if you were to tell me, I'm not watching that movie. It's about gay people, right? It's about like a gay a gay man, and I don't feel now. I I, I get to openly kind of look at you and question you, like, wait, why are you uncomfortable with this 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 thing that's very real? Yeah, and I, and I think that 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 is a part of it. I, I think that speaks to what I was just talking about a moment ago of like, uh, it this film like on its own is a fantastic film. And I thinking back to Brokeback Mountain, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. I can't really remember whether I really thought it was a good movie in and of itself. I just remember it's, uh, uh, it's, um, uh, it's reputation preceded it. Meaning that, you know, everybody talked about it because it's like, Oh man, you know, here, you know, here's the movie about two gay guys, you know, or, or two guys discovering that they're gay. Um, and that was like the main attraction. This film, that was sort of a main attraction of it, but it wasn't the only thing. In yeah. this film, there's just so much. Like, so for instance, we're looking at a picture right now of, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, damn. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, yeah, I feel horrible for forgetting his name. Uh, he just got cast as the new blade. Blade. Yeah. Uh, he was in green book. Uh, damn, forget his name. But, um, but, but we're looking at a picture right now, looking at his relationship with, the uh with the main character in the film um it was this thing where it's like it's something that's fucking marshall ali marshall ali uh it's something that's so relatable and so like it just hits you in the gut you know which is which is it, that takes it beyond just this movie of being about somebody who's gay it's somebody who you're seeing their journey and you're identifying with it which i i don't that's sort of what happened with Brokeback Mountain, but I think in this film, uh, Barry Jenkins was very specific in that he wasn't just t- telling the story about somebody who was gay; he was telling a story about a person. Yeah, which I think, and their sexuality yeah. was, you know, it, it was just a part of who they were. Yeah. But the story was about and, and the discovery this of who they were. Yeah, but the discovery of who they were wasn't simply just wrapped up in him being gay. It was the discovery of him just as a person overall. Yeah. You know, and, so. and again, I think this movie came out during a great time in which like you can have these open conversations where Brokeback Mountain was uh, kind of like constrained by, by the time. Right. Sure. Where it's like, people were still very much like, oh, I'm not watching a movie about gay people. Yeah. And it's like, people were still accepting of that. Now, if you were to say that today, oh, I'm not watching a movie about gay people. People would be like, yeah, what the fuck is wrong yeah, with you? Wrong with yeah. you. Uh, but then also quickly too, like a uh, huge shout out to this film because it was a uh, is another low budget film that did amazing. I think it was on a four million dollar budget, unless I'm remembering that incorrectly. Uh, and I think it had a pretty decent haul from 
uh, from the box office. So uh, yeah. it, it was just that's another aspect to it is, is that this was uh, a really sort of small film that uh, blew up and and got a, a lot of conversation started that uh, that that was pretty amazing. Uh, then you have uh, Okja. Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it. I'm yeah, sure so I'm this one I didn't see. So yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's on Netflix. I've been meaning to fucking see it, but I've hear here uh, and it, it's from Bong Joon Ho. I just watched Parasite. Uh, at the Charles Theater, shout out to Charles Theater. Uh, um, uh, they they've always got great things playing there. Um, uh, just watched Parasite. Hands down, probably the most interesting film I've I've watched this year. Wow. Okay. Hands down, like it's not even it's it's this year's Roma. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, okay. It's this year's Roma, where it's just like, yo, this is different. Like this yeah. is <laughs> this hit me differently than like, even if you don't necessarily. There's no way I think you watch this movie where you're just like not like holy shit like this is like an interesting thing. This is more interesting than anything I've seen this year. But anyways, but this is the same director Bong Joon um, who uh, who created this film. Um, I didn't see it, but I, I've heard so many th- different things about it. Um, I, and it. And it actually has inspired me to uh, to potentially watch this movie. Um, but one of the most, if not the most influential film. Uh, that they're, I think, positing here is uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, which came out in 2015. It's the continuation of the Star Wars uh, franchise, which everybody was looking forward to after the what some would deem as the debacle that was the prequels from the early 2000s. Um, I'm a little more lenient on the prequels. I'm not this, like, diehard you know, Star Wars fan. I'm like, oh my god, man, those prequels are the worst thing. Was, I liked all of them. Was Phantom Menace not that great? Sure. Was uh, Attack of the Clones not that great? Sure. Was the Revenge of the Sith not that great? I don't know if I can agree with that. I think that was actually a pretty, pretty great film. Um, yeah, I had there was certain mechanical issues with it clearly. Yeah, but I think overall I have very fond memory of that film. Yeah, with Over, whatever it, it didn't do any of those. It did, to me, not being like a super super diehard fan, it didn't. Do a disservice to the Star Wars franchise, man. I think some of these some of these people are just too close to the thing, right? So you have some people who are super diehard fans of either DC or Marvel, and then when the film comes out, they're like, "Oh my god, this isn't sticking true to like like what I know this thing as." Say what we saw with like Game of Thrones, where people are like, "Oh my god, yes, season exactly, terrible, it's horrible, it's horrible." It's like no, like like you're you're too close. It was good. Like let it go. Pull yourself back a little bit, and you'll realize like, hey, this is good. Maybe I didn't get everything I wanted, but it was still really good. Yeah. So what we saw with the Force Awakens was the introduction of John Boyega, um, as well as Daisy, Daisy Ridley, Ridley, who yeah. plays um, uh, who plays Ray in this film. What I really like about this film, again, it 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 changed. Uh, it, it both introduces new characters and kind of opened us up to the more yep. expansive Star Wars universe. Right, we've got a black stormtrooper, which a lot of people were not very excited to which see. Which is curious, which is like, yeah, which is wait, crazy because it's like, although although I guess it, because of what they set up with the clone army. Of the stormtroopers, it's like they were clones of what uh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, or Jango yeah. Fett, which, whichever one it was. Um, so that I can kind of understand, but also, it's whatever. not stormtroopers <laughs> really ever re- remove okay. their helmets. Like, yeah. why do you really care? Again, it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like you caring so much says yeah. more about uh, you than yeah. Anything, yeah, anything else, else. right? Yeah. Uh, so, but but John Boyega, you know, phenomenal addition to the Star Wars universe. Um, Daisy Ridley, I think her character as Rey uh, really opened up the doors for, um, you know, what what we saw with like Tomb Raider, right? And and a lot of these like female led action movies to come, where it's like, you know, f- female uh, superheroes or actresses or you know don't have to be in you know, 
a leotard and like skin tight no and i and, uh, and look outfits in order to lead a movie and to still be great like she at no point in this movie even showed any more of her skin than her like arms and shoulders but but that did not matter she was phenomenal as ray in, in star wars force awakens no and and I, and I think that there are there are people who actually like hate that right like there are people who are like oh my god i can't believe they would have a woman at the center of the star wars universe this isn't what we know it as this is too pc this is too um you know uh, uh you know people trying to you know uh, make everything more uh inclusive or whatever the case is and they're missing the fact that ray was a complete and is a complete we're, we're, we're gonna get the last film uh you know this uh this this, this uh no, december, december, 20th. december 20th um she's a badass dude yeah. like she's a she's a badass you know and if you find yourself like oh my god i can't believe they would do this or like whatever the case is like you're right like you you genuinely have to like like take a second to like think about that yeah. like what is so integral to star wars that you're like and because you like are you just used to the princess leia which is like oh all she can do is just you know pull a gun out every now and then and ah i got you constantly be rescued yeah it's like come on like dude like like yeah i i just don't i just don't get it dude i i really don't fucking understand all these objections that people have and and i guess it's just like anything else right like if you if you see yourself doing the thing so many times like so for instance like you see mark hamill and you're like oh i'm white and i'm a guy oh yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. okay just continue that um and then but you 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 perpetuate that then when that changes you're like whoa 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 what are we doing here this isn't the thing that i know and it's just like well that's the fucking point yeah you're right like the reason why it matters to you is the reason why it matters to everybody else and somehow you don't fucking understand that like (laughs) you know what i think needs that what i think happens all too often is like the people around other people who are like living in the past don't check them right so and what i mean when i say that is like let's say i'm sitting in, in a room full of my friends right and you know we're talking about a film like uh you know star wars a force awakens and one of my friends says uh, i don't know if i like you know her as the lead of this movie you know i don't know if like a woman leading this film makes sense to me right yeah i'm you, gonna be you've like got a question that i'm gonna be like, like yeah the fuck are you talking about like yeah. why does that bother you why does that make you uncomfortable right? <laughs> shout out to fave uh if you're wondering <laughs> <annihilation>. why <laughs> why all these women are at the head of their profession you're like nah, this looks suspicious to me huh? four women rise to the rise to the head of their respective fields of study um but no yeah. no not a knock on fave i mean but but again i think like these conversations need to be had right and i think that conversation we had was a was a great conversation and i feel like it needs to happen more often whereas when people if someone watches Moonlight, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch this movie about these gay dudes. It's like, why does that? If you're secure with your sexuality, yeah, why does watching a movie, a good movie yeah. that has a little bit of it, make you uncomfortable? Why does a female actress leading a Star Wars franchise or film make you uncomfortable? Right, you got to start to check that shit when yeah. you see it. You can't just sit back and say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There is this idea though that like, okay, like they just put things in places in order for in order to capitalize on that, right? So, for instance, like when I look at this Batwoman uh, series um on the cw there's just so much about it that i'm just like ah you guys are just pandering to a particular audience like you're foregoing the actual story you're foregoing for, foregoing um the thing being good in favor of oh we're just going to say a bunch of buzzwords and and people will be like yeah no i'm about that thing um 
there is a such thing as that, but that I don't think that's what they were even remotely doing with Star yeah. Wars. In fact, I, I think, and so what that leads me to as well is just like it cement uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens cemented J.J. Abrams as a bona fide hit maker, meaning that he went back to two of the most popular franchises in the history of both cinema as well as TV, and knocked them the fuck out of the park. Yeah, he he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, what are you gonna Give say to him JJ? A check. I don't care what he does, just fucking do it. Yeah, what are you gonna say to JJ? Like, <laughs> the guy's body of work speaks for itself. Yeah, right. Uh, J- he has what we call BDE, big dick energy, is what JJ Abrams has. <laughs> I, 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 I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, what? He has BDE out the ass because need some antibiotics for that. Is he okay, <laughs> but he like you know what I mean like what are you what are you gonna tell the dude? You know he he went back to the Star Trek franchise knocked it the fuck out of the park he went to the uh star wars franchise knocked it the fuck out of the park if he's associated with the fucking superman film let him fucking do it it don't you just cut him the check and move the fuck out of his way like what are you gonna do with it you know so there there are a few uh other films on this i want to talk about one more and then we uh we have a big 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 press Press play play. coming up in just a moment uh so again uh a few of the other movies on this top 10 list were boyhood which came out in 2014 well now we're getting into their individual list of uh their favorites uh, so we're getting oh, into yep, those Manola, are the favorites. Yep. Uh, uh, you are right. So uh, favorites. the last movie on this list I want to discuss just because we had a brief discussion about this one um, prior to uh, kicking off the podcast is Mad Max Fury Road, which came out in 2015. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, George Miller directed this film. It starred Charlize Theron. It starred uh, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I didn't like this movie at all. Visually, it was stunning costume design makeup um you know the the set design uh cinematography all of it was stunning yeah right mm-hmm. i just didn't think it was a good movie at all like i watched it i was reluctant to watch it when i watched it i was not uh, in any way wowed um i'll never watch it again so i'm kind of surprised to see and this movie has made several top 10 list whether it's like vanity fair new york times washington post a new yorker you know film uh uh websites across the board this film is like one of the say the one of the ones they say is the most influential of the decade mm-hmm. i don't i don't i don't get it yeah uh i, I think like me uh very easily uh tell you why uh so george miller um after years of uh I don't, I don't know, and I, and I'd have to look up his IMDb to see like exactly like what he's done over the course of years in between the last incarnation of Mad Max, uh, the Mel Gibson years, and and this uh, this new one. But um, what he was able to do with this film was tell a pretty unique story um, that was both visually striking as well as coherent, even though it was extremely incoherent. You, like if any of that makes any sense so he was able to take this thing that mad max as a character i've never really understood the movies like i've never i get it in a way but also i don't get it like it's just a movie about a dude in what seems like post-apocalyptic uh wastelands um roaming around i'm not sure what the goal is i'm not sure why this is important yada yada but he what he was able to do with this film was to put it into a context that actually made a lot of sense and he what he did was clever right so you have tom hardy who's playing uh mad max himself um but he really the star of this film is charlize theron um 
uh, w- with her character, and I forget I forget what her character's name, but um, and uh, that whole dynamic between them in terms of what their goals were, they were basically trying to get these women um, to safety uh, so that they could have babies and not let, you know, uh, I, th- I think they were going to either kill the babies or maybe they were just going to make, the, I don't know, I forget what they, exactly they were going to do with the babies. But my overarching thing is, is that this really gorgeous, visually, uh, 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 visually um, striking film was also a coherent film, which I think is hard to do to to like balance that dynamic because usually if you go ask like a Zack Snyder um you can make the movie look fantastic right yeah but it's hard to make it make sense right which is I think what Zack Snyder has a hard time doing sometimes is they look gorgeous Batman versus Superman gorgeous film yeah but wouldn't like did it make sense? Blade Runner Don't 2049 be a better version of this in terms of a film that is visually stunning like you could watch Blade Runner 2049 I think on they're nude. different they're different Blade Runner 2049 and the story was coherent though. yeah it was a great uh, story Blade Runner, 100% except for Harrison Ford being able to fight <laughs> off three men in their early 20s yeah no 100% I think we can definitely agree on that um so uh what I would say to that is it was a different story meaning that this was an action film yeah, twenty forty nine wasn't. I think it. it, it there was a lot it, of action in twenty forty nine. There was a lot of action in it, or and I wouldn't even say there was a lot of action. There was action in it, but I don't think that was not one of the main temples of that film. It was a very cerebral film, um, and it was a film that made you be patient. You know. Yeah. This film was just balls to the wall from the fucking first frame to the last frame. It's just something's always fucking happening in this film and it's always constantly and it's tough to and and that's what i thought was really unique in this film as well it's tough the best pacing i've ever seen in a film and again i'd have to go back and 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 do my homework on this but the the best one that i know of that was just like the pacing in this is insane is the dark knight Mm -hmm. which is from the first frame to the last frame that ball is rolling and you you have like several different movies in one and it's hard to tie all that together in this like really sort of like elaborate way but to make it make sense that's what i think fury road did because even going into it i was thinking kind of the same thing you were which is like i see the commercials for it it looks kind of weird um and everybody's hyping it up like oh my god this film's fucking amazing and usually those films i'm like man fuck this shit like i personally just don't want to like it because everybody else is hyping it up after watching this film for the first time i was like that was amazing i don't i i I can't really speak to whatever the fucking critics say about it but all i know is is that i came away with it like that was amazing yeah i just watched was great um i know you don't feel the same way but it is what it is yeah it was all right i thought charlize theron's makeup in this film was great yeah uh okay so uh we are going to move on to of course our uh last uh topic or actually before, before i even get to that Hey, in the in the comment section below, talk to us about what films you think were influential for the 2010s. Yeah, we'd love uh, to discuss that absolutely. on the next episode. So, so, so drop a line in the, in the comment section below, whatever for platform you're using to listen to this on, um, whether it be YouTube or, or you know any sort of um, uh, uh, podcasting app. Uh, yeah, l- l- let us know. Um, but with uh, that being said, ladies and gentlemen. Drum roll. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was going to go off. Background something. Yeah, it, it, it get the hype up. It, it, didn't, it didn't go uh, off. What's going on? Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe uh, I tried. Like, you did. You did. I, <laughs> no, I, that I, was I a minimal effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why my uh, my air horns didn't go off here. I think it's because I'm losing battery in my uh, 
Hold on, let me, let me plug this in. Yeah, listen, it doesn't matter. We're here with another press play segment on the Fade Podcast. Today we are talking about Martin Scorsese's The Irishman coming to you on Netflix. If you have not seen it, you're a little bit late to the party. I suggest you get your shit together. You know, pour yourself a glass, call up a lady friend. Maybe you don't have to do either one of those things. Yeah, Make yourself a tuna about? sandwich. <laughs> get comfortable. Get a blanket. Make sure there's a pillow behind your back. You're going to be watching this for a while. Uh, unless you're laying down, make sure you're slightly yeah. vertically inclined. But get comfortable because this is three hours and 29 minutes. The Irishman, uh, likely Martin Scorsese. Do you think this is his last film? No, it's not his no? last film, but it's definitely the last one. His last film with, with uh, you know, yeah. this all-star cast of talent right. he's had the fortune of working with. De Niro, Pacino, yeah. uh, uh, fucking Joe Pesci, yeah. among uh, the slew of other great actors. first time, but it'll work now. I lied. It's not going to work. What the fuck? Damn. I gave you a lot right there. You did, dude. I was high energy. You you were very high energy. I don't know why the fuck the show's working. <laughs> fuck it, man. Let, let's let's get going. I, I don't yeah. think we, we can maybe edit that in later. But so yeah, as I'm you guys know, man on the mission yeah, right now. I'm for any to... of you who have uh, listened to our any of uh, any of our other press play segments, we like to uh, break it down uh, tier by tier, section by section, really talk about the film at you know a high level and, and, a, and a granular level, uh, focusing on certain categories. So um, again, today we can jump into 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 the segment kickoff uh, maybe we could edit that in at another time yeah, but I, I don't know why i'm so frustrated right now i'm i'm like trying to all right whatever cool all right yeah let's jump into the fucking irishman um yeah this uh this was a uh this is a film that uh that that we've been waiting for for quite some time um from martin scorsese uh and, and it was kind of controversial in, the, in that it uh <laughs> for a number of different reasons but uh one of the reasons why it was, it was controversial was because um it was a film that uh, uh was one of the most if not perhaps the most important film coming out on specifically on netflix yeah that uh how many times do you get such a high profile Director such as Martin Scorsese working with Netflix, uh, because it just it it lends to the credibility that is Netflix, right? Yeah. Like we we look at Netflix as like the stepchild to any other sort of you know platform or whatever as far as like TV or film goes. Um, but this is like a this is it, a, a as as characters in Martin Scorsese's film would say, this is a big fuck you. <laughs> yeah. To uh to everybody else. It's gonna be hard for Steven Spielberg to say this is not film. <laughs> it's not right? film. I mean, it's cool. So but it's not I'm film. gonna give you the quick synopsis of sure. um, uh, the Irishman. So Frank, the Irishman Sheeran, is a man with a lot on his mind. The former labor, labor union high official and hitman learned to kill serving in Itali- serving in Italy during the Second World War. He now looks back on his life and his hits that define his mob career, maintaining connections with the Buffalino crime family, in particular the part he claims to have played in the disappearance of his lifelong friend Jimmy Hoffa, the former president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, who mysteriously vanished in uh, the late July 1975 at the age of 62. Uh, so again, this movie is really focusing on, it's being told from the per- perspective of Frank Sheeran, who is the Irishman. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have, of course, uh, uh, the film directed by Martin Scorsese and written by Charles Brandt, who actually wrote the book that this is uh, based off of, which is uh, uh, I Heard You Paint, 
uh, houses. Uh, uh, and then the screenplay was written by Steven uh, Zillian. Um, okay, so let's just jump into the plot. What do we what do we think about the uh, the, the the plot of the film? So what I love most about this film is its uh, intent on being accurate with all of the characters throughout the film, right? Yeah. So making sure that the names were correct, um, the relationships were correct, the families were correct. Uh, throughout the film, you'll see that at certain moments when certain characters are introduced, they'll stop, they'll do like a freeze frame, and they'll give you the name of the character, the AKA, they'll tell you about how, where, and when they died, yeah. um, which continues to build in uh accuracy and realism into the film like these were real people who did real things who really a lot of these people you know they may have said this character died in in whatever whatever city got shot seven times in the head right yeah like, certain things like that continues as a as a as a viewer to mm-hmm. reinforce like hey this is real shit right mm-hmm. um i love the perspective it's told from frank uh, uh sheeran's perspective um uh you know the it does for me what I think like uh, when I look at a film like um, Endgame did right or or Infinity War right you have a villain someone who's a bad person who you really really not even as the movie ends but like in the first half of the movie as the movie uh, gets to the middle of the movie like you really grow to like this guy even though he's a terrible person what we what we saw with Thanos we see this here with um, uh, Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran. Great story, um, true story, as much as true as it possibly could be in characters that you really grow to like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think that this movie was kind of unique in, in that uh, it, it tells. It, mainly speaking, this film is about um, Jimmy Hoffa, right? The disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa and and. Uh, all that entails. That's like the the that's like your your a storyline, right? Yeah. Um, but what's unique about the film is I think it's about so much more than that. And it's about friendship. Mm-hmm. It's about loyalty. Um, but then even more than that, it's about uh family. In yeah. that, um, I, I found one of the most unique storylines was sort of the one that was just it buzzed through the entire film was the the uh, relationship between. Uh, Sheeran, Frank Sheeran, and uh, his, uh, his his daughter, his daughter uh, who was uh, was eventually played by uh, she, but, and it goes between between like obviously she's young and then she she she's old, uh, but uh, his daughter's uh, name uh, Peggy in the film, um, and uh, I thought that as soon as I saw that sort of storyline building, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of the main poles of this film and it sure and it sure as fuck was uh it, it stayed with the film right right up until the very end um which i thought was a very it was very subtle but also in your face that they made it a very unique part of the film um i i thought that the way that scorsese built that into the context of the film um was phenomenal um, and he does that with a lot of the, the different storylines that that we deal with in, in the film, um, such as like the friendship between Frank and uh, Jimmy. Right. Uh, the the uh, the friendship between Frank and Russell. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, those are all. And you knew from kind of the beginning that it was going to kind of like he was going to be pulled in in in, in polar uh, directions. Um, 
And as you're watching it unfold, you're like, fuck, these are tough decision, decisions that you're going to have yeah. to end up making. Um, so Scorsese just flexes his muscles as far as like, and I don't know, he had the whole recent thing with like fucking, you know, talking about Marvel films, that those aren't films, yada, yada. Uh, that's how great this movie was, is that even with all that, you, you simply cannot yeah. deny this. This is a fucking fantastic exactly. film. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I do like the fact that you called out the themes in this movie, like loyalty and friendship and family. Those things were all very important um, and continually reinforced throughout you know, the course of this film. Yeah. Despite, um, you know, his daughter's, uh, you know, his daughter, uh, Frank's daughter's Peggy's dislike for... Um, uh, not uh, for Joe Pesci's character Russell, Russell yeah. you know Russell still continued to say hey, you know what she's a child uh, family's the most important thing if she's your, your daughter I you know I will show her that same respect like little details like that right like you may not always like the different members of your family and it, was, it was continuous too yeah was it, that, that was, a, what was yeah it was from the that. time she was a child to where she was a grown woman yeah. but like you may not always like the different members of your family but like family's family right yeah and i think that's the point russell was making uh, he made several times throughout this film yeah. so to me that was like uh outstanding but like an underlying message yeah absolutely uh yeah and uh we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the the runtime for this film um this was not a film that you want to watch when you have to go to work yeah, in like if you've got hours. somewhere to go yeah 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 if you got work in a couple hours or you know generally speaking if you just don't do well with long movies clearly this is not going to sit well with you at a hour at a three hour 29 minute mark yeah. this is a long fucking movie if it it's, didn't if you're if it's a first date you know, if it's your first time hanging out with Wolf. this young lady or this Yikes. young man. That's a right? lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> no. This is not how you want to spend your time with her. Probably If you're not. going through a divorce, uh, uh, maybe you watch this movie. No, maybe you don't. <laughs> trapped in the fucking house for no, three no, no. hours. Let's, with the let's not talk for, for a while. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, okay. Um, now let's, let's move to the, um, uh, the performances in the film. Um, there's so much you can say about all of the uh, all, all of the people starring in this film, um, but uh, the uh, we can credit the um, I'm trying to do the casting by credit here. A casting by credit goes to uh, Ellen Lewis. Um, let's talk about some of the performances. Who we liked, who we didn't like, what was going on. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, I always give my uh, runners up, and then I give my MVP. Uh, I don't think I can do that today. It's difficult. It's very difficult. For I don't think movie. I can do that today because there's a reason why there was such a big deal made about all three of these main characters. Uh, we're talking about Pesci, uh, Pacino, as well as De Niro, all getting getting together one last time um, to uh, uh, to do this film under the tutelage of uh, Scorsese. They demonstrated why all of them have been at the top of their uh, uh, of their um, field for so many years um watching this movie even with the facial recognition thing which we'll talk about a little bit when we get to cinematography but even with that their performances were historic joe pesci murdered literally he murdered (laughs) but also figuratively in terms of his performance it was one of the most incredible performances I've seen anybody give ever. It was just so subtle, but at the same time, so believable. 
the same time, he was likable, but he was kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. But the lines that he was able to sort of dribble through, weave in and out of, were amazing. And But everybody did that. Pacino, amazing performance. Oh, my gosh. Amazing performance. Uh, De Niro, completely amazing and believable. Yeah, you know it's funny as as you're as you're talking, right? Like when you started with Pesci, I'm like, yeah, Pesci, he definitely. Then you jumped killed it, Pacino, and then you say Pacino, Pacino and I was like, it. oh man, he was so good as Jimmy Hoffa. And then you go to De Niro, I'm like, oh, this, he carried this movie through. Obviously, he he is being told from his perspective. He's doing a lot of the narrating and storytelling, but it's like, fuck, you know, you, which guy do you go with but again I just, I just want to call call that out but i want you to continue yeah um so it's, it's hard for me to give an mvp to um uh to anybody or to say anybody's a runner-up to anybody else i think all of them deserve it and then not to even mention harvey Keitel, uh who, who played angelo bruno in the film uh as well as ray romano oh ray my romano just the list good. of actors uh that were in this film bobby uh uh uh, uh Canavel, um, who uh, he's he's in one of the series I, I love. He, he or at least previously he was in uh, Mr. Robot um, in season three. Um, uh, Broadway actor, uh, a great guy. He he he's been in a number of things recently, um, as well as I think he actually worked with uh, Scorsese on Scorsese's uh, short-lived project with HBO. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was a uh, it was about like a the record industry and and all that. But anyways. Um, all of them gave such great performances. But then when I think about that, I, I think I have to give my hat off to Scorsese. Again, say whatever the fuck you will about whatever his comments were about the, the Marvel shit. He simply is a master director. Meaning yeah. that the reason why we're able to say, oh my God, these guys gave such great performances. Th- it's because of their direction. That's right? what I, how else are you going to coordinate all that? Like not everybody walked on set that day and was like, I'm going to give him my A performance today. No, you have to mind that out of people and you yeah. have to get that out of people, you know? Um, so it speaks to the master that is Scorsese, um, that he was able to mind those performances and put people in the exact, like Pacino was, uh, as Hoffa. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That was perfect casting. And, and especially if that was, some sometimes you can look at a character and you can be like, uh, maybe if they had somebody else playing that character, I yeah. believe this more. Or maybe th- we love this actor or actress, but we didn't like the role that they played. We thought they gave a great performance, but the movie that they that surrounded them was terrible. With this, you have no. There's no discussion that there's a seamless uh, interaction between the story as well as the people playing the characters in the story. So yeah. So uh, to be honest, like there's nothing that you have said that you know i also don't mimic and it's hard for me to choose who is the mvp of this movie right there are the names that i don't even really need to say we joe pesci was amazing in this film he managed to play i would i would say like he was kind of like the thread that from the beginning of the movie through the end of the movie he was like that pro- that thread that continued through which he bridged a lot of the characters together he he was the guy right russell was the guy right mm-hmm. um he never his character never stood he was never too big he was never too small he was just pitch perfect yeah um the story was being told from 
uh, Frank Sheeran's perspective. So De Niro was like the narrator of the story, right? He was, the story was being told by him, about him, so on and so on. Yeah. Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa, you know, he was big, he was bold, he was loud, right? And that's who Jimmy Hoffa was. Um, excellent. Who of those three guys is, is the MVP? If you ask me to pick, I'm just going to tell you I'm not going to because <laughs> I abstain. <laughs> how 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 could you, right? Yeah. How do you? Um, so what I'm going to do really quickly is I'm going to give my. I'm going to tell you who I really loved in this movie. Mm. I do think Ray Romano was fantastic Great. because at no point in time when you're watching this particular movie do you think of. Um, you know, everybody uh, loves, everybody Raymond, loves yeah. Raymond. At yeah. no point in time do you think of that because he does so well. He completely removes himself from that and he plays the uh, Bill Buffalino so well. Um, Stephen Graham, who plays uh, Anthony uh, uh, Pro or Tony Pro. Provenzano yeah. or, or Tony Pro, fantastic. I mean, he stood side by side with Joe Pesci, uh, with uh, Frank Sheeran or uh, Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran, um, and particularly his his beef and his conversations with uh, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa. He stood side by side with those legendary actors and held his own. Right um, from from an acting perspective, uh, his delivery as Tony Pro was just spot on. I loved his character. Um, I think young Peggy mm-hmm. in being able to show as such a young actress, right? And and young Peggy was played by. Um, Lucy uh, Galena mm-hmm. being able to show emotion, but like underlying emotion, right? Subtle emotion of like, you know, like, you know, when you're uncomfortable, when someone makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Being able to display that on film is difficult because y- you don't do it through facial expressions, right? You don't do it through words. A lot of times you do it through body language. You do it through your eyes. And I think she, for a young actress, did that so well. Mm-hmm. You can tell throughout the entire movie, something about Joe Pesci as Russell made her uncomfortable. Something about Sheeran himself made her uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even her own father made her uncomfortable because it's like she knew who he really was, yeah. right? All the other daughters, you know, you had this like unconditional love for, sure. for your parents, right? Yeah. But she knows that like my father's not a good man. And you can see that through uh, through this entire film from young Peggy, again, played by Lucy uh, Galena, uh, to older Peggy, played by uh, Annie Packin, who we know as uh, Rogue from X-Men, right? Ariana Packin, yeah. Uh, uh, a quick, quick note on her. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, there, there's a lot of talk that, uh, especially like they talk about the women's roles in Scorsese's films, that oh, he's a little sexist because he doesn't really give significant roles to women. Um, it, I think it's one of those things where, you can make an argument for that and and I can see that and in some parts I can agree with that in this her specific role was very important and it very it, it was very important that she wasn't a very vocal character because she was the silent judgment that was the audience for the film right yeah so she was the conduit for the for the audience whereas okay sure there's this guy Frank who we see as our protagonist but is doing very fucked up things that we're just co-signing with right but uh, uh, her character Anna Packin's character is that silent judgment of, but I know you. Like I, I yeah. Like I, they might agree with you as in the audience. They might be like, hey, this is our protagonist. But 
I'm the person who knows what you're doing is fucked up and I'm going to hold you accountable. Yeah. Right. And you really get, you really get to step into her perspective uh, or her frame of thought. Like during that first scene is when Frank Sheeran comes home and he hears that his daughter has been shoved or pushed at the grocery store and he walks her down and and she has to watch, she watches her father beat the shit out of some guy, which that was my least favorite scene in the movie because I'm sorry, but uh, De Niro, you cannot Didn't sell. sell. No, no. Okay, but here's <laughs> I, I had I had that same thought, but then I thought, oh, but what if he, that's true? But what if that's actually how Sheeran moved? Yeah, but I mean the the, the, the stepping on the hand and yeah. like the cry, like, none of it sold really like that that is the scene was when i was watching this movie i was like okay you know (laughs) showing your age here yeah i i even um i I told fabe this i was like no more action or fight scenes uh, from (laughs) there i I don't think he wants any yeah after this we're done and and i i just barely allowed that scene but um yeah but yeah so again that's the scene where we really get to like kind of see things from her eyes where she's like you know my father is not a good man and then you uh that that tracks throughout the whole movie but the person i got to give the biggest uh um you know hand clap to is going to be uh Sebastian Maniscalco so he is a stand up comedian right actor but he is a stand up comedian his, Wait, uh what you say his name was uh, uh Sebastian yeah, I, I know, like i know who Man- you're talking about Maniscalco Maniscal- oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know why when you said so it. So in this movie, he plays uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph Gallo or Crazy Joey, right? I mean, if you watch his stand-up specials, this guy's Italian to the fucking core, yeah. right? Um, he, you know, he, he makes no, he's he's not apologetic for it at all. He, I'm, I'm your old school Italian guy, right? Yeah. Beginning of the day to the end of the day. So I think he was great in casting this movie for, um, realism like this is who he really is right yeah um he's able to pull off the character his face his look his mannerisms his accent he's able to pull off the character but uh though sebastian is a stand-up comedian by trade he's also a really good actor and to your point martin scorsese why he's such a great director is he's able to mine out um whatever it is in you that he needs in order for you to pull this, to bring this character to life. And he does that with Sebastian. So I think uh, if I were to give any uh, hand clap to any a- ca- actor in this film, it would be him uh, as uh, crazy Joey. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, I think you can't say enough about everybody who, uh, who acted in this film. Very, very well acted film. But again, like, I, uh, like you just said, I think you do have to give, you, you have to tip your cap to, to Scorsese. Cause I don't think any of that happens without his, like if you had any other director directing this, you'll get a very drastic different uh, performance from from the uh, the cast. Yeah. Um, let's jump into cinematography. Uh, so the cinematographer for the film was uh, Rodrigo uh, um, Pietro. Um, so uh, the cinematography for this film, I thought, was just gorgeous. It was the... the the ambiance of the film was, I think, was perfect. Uh, the color grading was perfect uh, in terms of capturing exactly sort of, I think, the, the the feel that you should feel when you're when you're watching this film. That it's a dark, sinister kind of movie, but it doesn't present itself as such. It presents the film as like, oh, here we're just telling a story about this guy. But it's a it's when you like when you look at the actual individual, like so for instance, like just even how De Niro shoots people in the film. It's just like this is dark, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like he just walks by, boom, 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 and then yeah. he's done. Like, and he doesn't have remorse. He doesn't care. Like he's just, eh, it is what it is, you know. Um, I paint houses exactly, you know, and and um, uh, and that was actually a great scene, by the way. Uh, a side note, like uh, he's like, you know, um, 
he's like, I heard you paint houses. And he's like, yeah, I do carpentry as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think that the cinematography of the film was, was really great. It was really spot on. Um, but there were a couple of choices as far as like, so for instance, uh, in the film, we got a couple of the times where uh, we get the classic Scorsese one shot uh, or, or tracking shot. Uh, where we just follow a character or people through a particular scene and we're just like, you know, like we did like the classic one from Goodfellas, you know, in terms of the, the restaurant scene. Um, uh, like I remember towards the beginning, there was a shot where we follow, uh, it, it was like a hit that was being done and we the camera just stays with, and we, we followed a couple different characters, uh, but it, it, it never breaks the stride, uh, do we, from the scene. And it's actually short. You know, it's it's not that long, but it's it's a shorter scene. Um, but those choices are, like, clearly, like, classic Scorsese. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about the soundtrack here or, or the um, the score for the film here in, in a moment. Um, but I think the relationship between the score, and this is something that I noticed specifically about Scorsese films. The relationship between the score and the film, impeccable always it's always if you if you watch any scorsese film pay attention to the relationship of music and what he's showing you on the screen yeah um, it's hard to divorce one from the other it right? really is it's yeah. like thinking about color without shape or shape without color like you can't think of like if you're in your mind right now picture the color red well yeah you've been through this example yeah. what shape is it it's usually in the shape of like a ball or a square or something like that right um that's what martin scorsese is able to accomplish yeah. sometimes the score stands out more than the movie and sometimes the movie it's like you know the, the the music didn't really do anything for it at all with his films they're like one and the same yeah uh yeah so anyway so that that's pretty much all i had to say yeah. about uh, the, uh for me cinematography i mean um it, it was excellent because it really felt like you're just following a person's story throughout, you know, a day, a week, uh, throughout, you know, a series of events in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening scene to me where you're coming down the hallway of that like old person's home. Right. And then you could tell it's just like, you know, person carrying a camera walking through the halls. Right. Um, and then throughout it, it'll pan to the left. It'll pan to the right as like different people are moving throughout the hall. And then you would get to Robert De Niro's character sitting in the chair, uh, telling the story mm-hmm. to me, that felt like, to me, that really painted a picture of like, all right, you're hearing a story from someone's perspective. It was as if you were a journalist and you were walking into the old person's home to sit with a guy who had a story to tell. Yeah. And then the story's being told. So like the, this guy, Charles Brandt, who wrote the book, uh, I Heard You Paint Houses, um, uh, it was as if you're him. Mm-hmm. Like, because his whole thing was, uh, he, I think, sat with Frank uh, Sharon before he passed away. Uh, and it wasn't until he passed that I think he released, you know, uh, the, the, the book or I don't know if he released a book or notes or whatever the case is. But um, but I think that's what the whole idea of that was, was essentially just following him around uh, or you, you're him in that case. That's why it feels like you're a person when you're watching yeah. that opening sequence. Yeah. And I mean, but like to, to bring that to life, you have to do it a certain way. Right. If you want me if you want to visually put me in the frame of mind of like I'm watching a story or I'm here or listening to a story being told and I'm watching it. You put me in that frame of mind by how you open me up to this story. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that first scene does it so well. Like you feel like you're walking through the hall 
of this, you know, senior citizen's home, right? You feel like you're going to sit with Frank Sheeran and you feel like you're going to listen to his story. And then the rest of the movie is like as if you're sitting with him and he's telling you all these all these events that occurred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't think you can. Um, yeah. Scorsese, he, he's just a master filmmaker, dude. Uh, I, I, I don't think. Um, I don't think it gets much better than him when it comes to filmmaking, which is, again, why the, the things he said about Marvel is puzzling because it's yeah. like you're clearly like you, you think very deeply about things and uh, you, you try to meditate on human experiences. But also it's like, how can you not see that? Like, that's not the only way to sh- yeah. tell a story there's more than one way. that there's there's more than 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 one way to do that. Um, like this movie was great. Right. But we clearly have put the Avengers on the list of uh, like but I think it goes on every list of whether it's like most influential or best or whatever it may be of the, of the decade. It's on there for a reason because it's a great film just told in a different way. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, so let's talk about the score of the film and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, credits for the music on, on this. Um, but, uh, let me see if I can pinpoint, who is to credit music producer, music supervisor? I guess the music pro- uh, supervisor for the film was Carmen uh, Merlin, uh, Merlaner. Um, uh, yeah, because I can't find a, a specific music by credit on here. Um, but uh, yeah, the reason why I'm so excited to talk about the music was because in Scorsese's films, and I noticed this specifically when I was watching Raging Bull, Scorsese's use of music in a film is very strategic in fact that i don't know if i found anybody who's better at him than using it strategically where his choice of when to use music and when not to use music so for instance when it came to the whole sequence of frank uh killing jimmy um for like 20 minutes there wasn't a stitch of music in the film yeah there was nothing there was just the actual action happening on the screen and when i say action it wasn't even action it was just Frank walking around for like 20 or 30 minutes, you know, um, and having conversations with like multiple people, there wasn't a stitch of music. So it creates this like, th- and because of everything that sort of preceded it, it creates this like, Oh, Oh yeah. Something's coming. And, something's and, coming. I, and I think music in that scene would have changed how you felt about, or how he felt about what he was about to do. And you have to feel that too. Right. Yeah. So music would have maybe made it seem a little bit more lighthearted or maybe like more dramatic music would have made it seem uh, a bit exaggerated, but the, the absence of music in that particular scene mm-hmm. made you feel like, you know, cause if you're him, right. And I, I know for, for myself, whenever I'm in my mind trying to make a decision like a big decision important decision when i'm driving in the car i'm not listening to any music i'm not listening to music on my headphones like i need silence to think and make sure i'm making the right decisions and and that's what um frank had to do right he's like do i kill you know my really good friend how do i how do i get myself out of this situation that i've been forced into so this scene is very realistic to how most people would make these types of decisions yeah right? and and the the music sometimes allows you as a way out meaning that it's something to distract you from the awkwardness that is the moment mm-hmm. so for instance as frank's talking and as like so even when he's talking to um russell right uh, about you know hey i want you to go do a thing um the absence of movie uh movie uh the absence of music in that moment you have no as the viewer you have nowhere else to go you can't yeah. run and hide anywhere you're having to like wait what is he saying what i think he's saying yeah wait is he going to make him do that 
like, there's wait, no, is Frank going to do it? There's like, he has to nowhere do it today? for like, you yeah. to go as, there's no as escape. the audience. Uh, you, there's no there's no place for you to run and hide. There's nothing to distract you. All there is is the thought that keeps circu- uh, circulating in your head of, fuck, he's got to go kill him. Yeah, and then you feel for Frank, like you're empathetic. It's like, wow, he has to kill his friend. Like, how does he get out of this moment? Is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? And there being nothing else there but thought, you know, because there's no music, really force you to like be in that moment in yeah. in this in this film. Absolutely, um, that was one of the most intense parts of the movie. Like the whole time, not only are you wondering how he's gonna get out of it, like you're also kind of thinking in your mind, like how would I get out of this? How would I handle this situation? Yeah. What would I do? You know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. And I and I think that 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 was like the desired uh, effect of the of the film was to put you in that same exact. Uh, mind frame of yeah. fuck like what would I do in this situation how would I handle this right like it's it, and, it, and it leaves it up to the viewer that's that's what I think some of the best filmmakers do is don't and maybe I think this is the biggest difference from like the Marvel movies and like what Scorsese does Scorsese trusts his audience mm-hmm. to draw their own conclusions to make their own mind up about whatever it is the thing Marvel does steer you towards like hey this is the thing that I want you to feel you know yeah um and uh, and I think that that's the biggest difference, right? Um, but that's what Scorsese does so fucking well. It, and it, again, it's a lot of the filmmakers that I, I just see as like being like the best, they trust their audiences to make their own decisions yeah. as far as the the material goes. They don't try to put anything. I mean, they do in certain areas try to you know signify like, hey, here's where I'm going with this thing. But more often than not, like Nolan, my favorite director. He his movies are so fucking complicated that it's just like, of course he just trusts his audience to be like, hey, yeah, you decide. What and in this movie, this like I, I think that is most highlighted when uh, Russell basically tells Frank, like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to kill Jimmy, right? And, yeah, and you have to be the one to do it. Um, and then Jimmy, uh, and Frank is laying in bed at night and he's like laying next to the phone, right? And the audience then has to watch that scene and decide for themselves, like, would would I have picked up that phone and called Jimmy? Exactly. Would I not have picked up, like, what would I have done? Yeah. Um, so it's it's le- really leaving it up to you, and, you know, who knows? Like, and, and a lot of people would go in different directions in that particular moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that's, the, like, the whole intent with all that stuff is uh, to really make it so that um, there's no, yeah, there's no clear one way or another. But, um, all right. Uh, that was our press play on um, The Irishman. If you haven't watched it yet, please uh, hit that press play button and, and check uh, The Irishman out on out, out now on uh, Netflix. Uh, fantastic film. But just remember, uh, yeah, just uh, 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 pee beforehand. Um, Woo! If you, if you have to eat something, maybe don't eat it during because you probably get around to needing to take a shit afterwards. Yeah. Or, or uh, unfortunately, this is on Netflix, so you can always hit the pause button. But yeah, it, this movie is watch best watched yeah, yeah. in one sitting. Yeah. Uh, so come prepared. Use the bathroom. Don't go. Uh, don't eat Indian food. Because um, <laughs> if you're like me, that'll fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, also, don't drink any dairy, uh, cheese, sour cream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, chocolate. One, one end well. One yeah. end well. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show for today. Uh, and, and let us know. Drop down in the uh, the, the comic se- uh, comment section and let us know how you feel about the, the Irishman. Do you think it's a great film, bad film? Do you think Scorsese justified his reasoning for criticizing the, uh, the Marvel films? Um, or do you think it was uh, completely unfounded and this was proof of it? Uh, either way, let us know what you think. Jump in the comic se- uh, comment section below. Um, 
with that being said, uh, we have reached another conclusion to uh, another wonderful Fade podcast episode. Uh, if you listen to all the way through, um, you're a true fan of the show. We appreciate you. We love you. But uh, go ahead and uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, smash it for us. Uh, and uh, that's a way to demonstrate your, your appreciation for the podcast. Your undying love. There you go. Uh, undying loyalty. Love and loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we paint houses. No, <laughs> we do not paint houses. Uh, I want to start more. using that. It feels also like, what do you do? I paint houses. <laughs> you are right, say that's the wrong person. <laughs> say I'm gonna jump say out that, the car. Like say that at an Italian restaurant, everyone's gonna turn and look at me. Like, <laughs> uh, what the fuck are you doing? Um, uh, then you get to do that dude who actually does paint houses. He's like, yeah, the fuck's happening. <laughs> um, uh, so so yeah, um, yeah, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and then hit that share button. Uh, share this button. Share this button. Share this show with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just trying to hurry up and get to the fucking yeah, uh, Packers uh, game. Um, share this podcast with anybody, everybody who you uh, think can uh, definitely benefit from it, which is usually everybody. Uh, aside from that, ladies and gentlemen, we get the fuck out of here. Uh, I'd hit our usual uh, outro music, but for some reason, uh, it is not working. So we're gonna edit that not in working today for me. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll edit that in later. Uh, with that being said, we'll hit the usual fucking protocol. Fade out. Peace.